Welcome back to the Graveyard Shit Podcast. Um, we are currently on our end of the year show. We're getting it out a bit early this year. Unfortunately, uh, Will can't be with us due to uh, work and uh, COVID concerns. But we have uh, someone great here to fill in. You know, well, he's a new host in here anyway. So, Rob, let him know who you are. <laughs> Uh, Rob, uh, Rob from Georgia, aka, AKA VHS City Two Apostrophe, and uh, of course you know me from Body Bags and uh, a couple shows uh, in the past. I think the one that sticks out to me always is the um, well, there was the War of the Worlds, right? But the one I always think about is uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead. Oh yeah, show that we did. That's the one that always sticks out because that was that was really fun. That was uh, the War of the Worlds was fun too. Yeah. There, was there another one besides that? But those two, I, I think. I think so. That you've been on a few, from what I know, from what I remember. Um, those were two of the bigger ones, though. You know, so uh, definitely uh, cool. <laughs> well, we are talking twenty-one, right? Night twenty twenty-one. My brain is so freaking jacked up still from that accident. Crap. Oh, yeah. Damn. Yeah, 2021, year in review. Uh, it's 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 been an interesting year in that, you know, you don't think there's been much out this year, but there actually has been quite a lot. The, the thing is, a lot of them are going, are going straight to streaming, so, you know. And that is a big a, thing. 
Yeah. Right. This this maybe this year more than any other year. I don't know. Maybe not so. But it just seems like I look at I'm you know look at my list and I think uh, uh, man I, at least half of it is I think stream or more stream only. Yeah. Uh, looking at mine, I think uh, one two three. I think four movies out of all of them were ones I saw in the theater. One I saw in the theater. Yeah. Which really sucks. And yeah, one out of ten I saw in the theater. And one out of ten I actually own in physical media. So that says something right there. Yeah. (laughs) Although, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, half of the list is currently has found a home physical media. And the other five are still... um, relegated to streaming although they could have we'll talk about it i guess but they could have physical media releases in the future hopefully uh yeah. at a couple on my list i'm really hoping eventually find a physical media same here uh one in particular know, i'm sure we'll we'll both talk about at some point oh yeah tonight yeah. um I definitely want a freaking physical media. I want this freaking, maybe even on 4K, I think, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's this sort of thing. Um, streaming is great. Don't get me wrong. The You know, being able to see a movie in the comfort of your own home when it first comes out, that that's perfectly fine. But it's never going to beat physical media, and it's never going to beat the the experience of going to a theater to see it. Now, nah, you know, and I'll be, well, I was just going to say, I, I'll be honest. I think the only reason, the only reason one of them, I think is in the top five, I think helps the fact that I saw it theatrically. Oh, nice. And that, that always seems to help a little, well, maybe more than a little bit. It helps when you get to see something on the big screen for the first time and you haven't seen it since other than having seen it on the big screen but this yeah 21 this you know in some ways it's been a it's been a you know being that we're still a little bit somewhat i guess still under the shadow of covid and everything Mm -hmm. um this year i mean you know we had you know experienced a loss in our family which really sucked Mm -hmm. um and uh and of course there was there was a a moment my my wife was in the hospital for a little bit and that really sucked Mm -hmm. Uh, course you know will can't be here because he's you know dealing with this junk yeah. um but uh you know i was just thinking about 21 um I, I i think it was what two summers ago i know i told you when we uh when me and sam saw when we were on vacation and we saw went to the drive-in and we saw the original nightmare on elm street yeah i remember I, you telling me about that as a lead up, now it's two summers ago, but I think it still says a lot about where we're still at in some ways, I think. You know, as a lead up to the film, they ran through, I want to say there must have been 20 stinking trailers of films that we had, we should have already had seen, but couldn't see because of COVID. Exactly. And that that's kind of one of the things with, at least with my list, you know, there are movies on here that were finished and ready for release in 2020. But, you know, just due to COVID and everything, they never got released until 2021. 
You know, it's uh Well, there's there's one that I'm sure we'll talk about that is uh I'll just leave it at the point of being related to a much bigger franchise. That whole thing has been delayed because of COVID. Oh yeah. And we probably yeah. should have already seen the end effect of what they're trying to create by now, but we haven't because of everything being delayed. Yeah, very true. That's interesting. It is. I mean, one thing I can say for it is this delay, I feel at least has let like movie producers and everything really look at their product and say, you know, this particular scene doesn't really work. We don't have to get it out right away now. We can fix this. You know, I feel you're, we're probably getting a better edited product at this point than we would have had they had a lot of them come out last year. You would hope, but at the same time, yeah. at the same time, I, I think it also affords you too much time to rethink yourself. That's true. That's true. I'm thinking of one movie in particular, which we'll be talking about, and not even so much that one as the one that preceded it. Yeah. Just makes you, it makes you, it's, I mean, I'm sure you got to deal with both sides of it. I mean, yeah, it does afford you opportunity to go back and perhaps, look, we got it. It's just sitting here. Let's, let's relook at it. Let's maybe fix this or reshoot this if if you can. But then at the flip side of that, you got too much time to think about something. Yeah. Then you maybe go in and make changes that maybe are ultimately not the best changes. That's true. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. Cause I mean, there are some movies that you watch and you're like, yeah, this was rushed. And, and you can just genuinely feel that, you know, someone was like, you know, poking them with a stick, like, come on, get it out, get it out, get it out, you know? And then there are some that are just way over long and everything that make you think, you know, maybe they, like you said, too much time was given. You and know? it's funny, we, we talk right now, and uh, what movie has just exploded on the big screens? Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm trying to be so careful um, where I travel on, uh, Yeah. you know, with social media and the net in general. I really, uh, I'm going to see it here in the next probably week, week and a half, but hopefully, um, you know, as much of an intact as, you know, I can without having it uh, freaking ruined. Yeah. I've heard apparently there's an after credit scene to stay around for, so that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, that could come without saying. I mean, usually, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll say this, too. Uh, um, apparently, um, and I don't know, this could be, this could run both ways as well, but apparently the critics are absolutely loving the Matrix movie. They've gotten to see it. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm all for that. I hope it's good. I do I, too. I, you know, um, the Matrix was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Um, it kind of waned with the two sequels. Um, but I thought the first Matrix movie was like a work of art. And I loved it completely. 
two and three, like I said, were kind of um, not as good as far as I was concerned. But I'm hoping this new one really uh, really makes it work. And I just I'm, I'm interested to see how they bring back Neo and Trinity, considering you know they're dead. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I can't. I'm with you. I'm with you in a lot of ways. You know, it's Matrix is one of those. You know, it's funny. You know, I have a really small 4K collection. I mean, like really small, like maybe seven, eight, not even movies. Yep. Very particular of what goes into that because, quite frankly, I don't, you know, need to be, you know, yep. getting the same movie I've already. Well, we were talking about it earlier. I mean, I don't know if I got a chance to actually say it or not, but, you know, with. Um, Snaps having, I'm sure it's probably an absolutely beautiful 4K transfer for um, Demons 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I got the arrow up there, you know, and I was just, you know, looking at it a minute ago, and it's like they're Blu-rays, uh, they're, they're two-disc sets, they got the books in there, I love the stencil, the reversible cover art, and I'm thinking to myself, do I really need, do I really need to get the Snaps 4K just to have it on 4K? But I I'll say this with Matrix is one of those movies where I would be happy just having the first Matrix film on 4K in that collection. I don't need all three. Just that first one would be good enough. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I honestly believe the first one was. I how can I put this? I understand why they made the sequels, but it would have been enough just to have been its own thing. Just a standalone film. I'd have been cool with that. He did enjoy the sequel, so I, I thought, you know... They were okay, but I thought by the end they were like completely jumping the shark, you know? Maybe. Uh, speaking of 4K, I don't have it in my possession yet, but guaranteed by the time this weekend ends, I will, I will have the thing on 4K. I will have it. Nice. I got a nice little gift card from Best Buy, and that is where it is going. It's, it's. I think, uh, I hope it hasn't changed in price. Last time I was in there, I saw it for only like maybe 19 or 20 bucks. That's not bad at all. And I mean. I'm curious. I'm really curious to check out that, you know, because I've only got like 51 releases of that freaking movie. <laughs> from it's the sort of thing. There's certain movies that, you know, no matter how many copies you have, you'll always buy the next one when it comes out. Like, I wonder how many in our listening audience actually has uh, the German edition of that movie, Das Ding. <laughs> I love that title, Das Ding. Love it, man. <laughs> I don't think I don't have, man. And maybe somebody, maybe somebody out there in the listening audience can freaking hook me up. Um, I would love, not that I have a player, but I would love to have a laser disc. Uh, release of that film, if anything, just to freaking show off. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of how it is with me for uh, Dune. If I could get a laser disc of Dune, I would be the happiest person on Earth. Oh. And, and, you know, like you, I can't play it. <laughs> I don't have a laser disc player, but I would I would love to own a laser disc of that. And I don't know if you remember or not, but God, it's, it's been... Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while, but... In the past, I've I've posted. I, I kind of like gathered up all my thin crap, all of it, and got it like all laid out on a big table, mm-hmm. and took and took a picture and put it up 
you know, on Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's about time to, um, do another snapshot of, of my thin collection again, once I get that 4k. Oh yeah. I mean, you gotta do that with a TV in the background showing a scene from the movie in 4k. Maybe. I'm so curious to see what that's going to look like. I hope it's more like Arrow and not Screen Factor. I couldn't not stand the transferred Screen Factor. I love the release, mostly everything they put into that release, but I just, I don't know what happened with... It's too warm. It's yeah, it's weird. I don't know. It's the same thing they did with uh, Army of Darkness. There's one release of that that's just, I can't watch. It's just, I don't know. It's too... Maybe that's the right word. Maybe it is too... It's like, that's one thing I always thought with the thing when you watch the thing you should feel cold no matter how hot it is in your house you should if you watch the thing in the middle of summer you should be getting like goosebumps because you can feel like the coldness almost radiating off the screen and the scream factory version though a, a solid solid release doesn't have that the proper palette no, but Arrow does. Arrow has a nice... I, I'll tell you, the best... Maybe the best looking that movie is, though. It's just on my VHS copy, man. My old VHS copy. <laughs> nice. You love it, man. When when I'm in the mood for the thing, like really in the mood for the thing, mm. I just pop into VHS, man. I just... Can't know. go wrong with that, honestly. The only reason I might throw in um, the Screen Factory release is uh, if for some reason I want to watch the TV <clears throat> copy uh, oh yes <laughs> or, or there's a great doc on there mick garrison uh interviewing john carpenter which is really fantastic mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure that's yeah that's on the screen factor i'm pretty sure yeah that's some freaking relief oh, i don't know how many and of I got. course it, it does have the thing take shape as well well yeah that's that's kind of like a common carryover just about every it, 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 it is now uh for a long time you could only get it on one dvd copy and that was the was it a universal DVD? Yeah, I got yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could get it on that, but if you bought the the Blu-ray, it, it didn't have it on. It had like segments of it cut up and put in yeah, throughout the movie the, or something. I don't think it's on the Arrow release. I it might not be. I mean, no. uh, pretty sure it's on the 4K though. I think it's on the. I think so. I mean, one of those. It's. I can't remember. I always forget for some reason. I always forget if it's a Scream or the. Arrow has, um, might be the Arrow, has the um, Dean Cundy um, commentary track. Oh, nice. Honestly, that's one of those movies that you could put it out with, like, a commentary track by, like, some rando guy that, like, delivered food to the set one day, and it would still be interesting. Absolutely. And the best commentary it related to the thing, the best commentary track I have, um, easy, hands down, is um, is on my UK release of The Thing from Another World and John Carpenter doing commentary track. Nice. That, that, is is... that does not get old listening to. It never gets old listening to. I can pop that thing in and just listen, and it's... It's just uh well he that was his that was his film in college, man. That that was the film he studied and and of course being a huge Howard Hawks fan. Mm-hmm. That was uh he paid for the rights to uh to for the right to be on that 
released uh, to do the commentary. And uh, that says something. That says and, something right now. Uh, that's the beauty, of, man. When you when you order out of say you know out of the states and you you know Windows Shop and uh, Amazon UK site, man, you find stuff like that. You know. Oh yeah, and I mean that's the thing. I always thought that the thing from another world deserved a better release than we got over here. I mean, yeah, we've got a Blu-ray now, but it's a bare bones Blu-ray. You know, it has the movie in in like HD, and like that's like it. Yeah. I think there might be a trailer. You would think you would think it would have been uh, it wouldn't have been too much to ask to even if you had to pay a little bit extra money to to pop that commentary track off that UK release and put it on the Blu-ray release, and that would have been freaking epic, man! For people oh, yeah. to be able to listen to John Carpenter freaking talk through that movie. Oh yeah, well you you know it would have worked. I think Scream Factory should have got if they could have gotten the rights to to that and put it out on the same disc. No, that'd have with, been freaking epic, you know? man. Because like you, you remember when what's it called? Did that when they remade um uh when the the day the earth stood still when they right. remade that when that came out on Blu-ray it came with a Blu-ray copy of uh, the original. Really? Yeah. You know, yeah. and honestly, it was worth it just for that. You know, um, that's something I wish they'd do more of. You know, include the the like the original source material if it exists, and you can get the rights to it. You know, let us have that that you know that moment where we can say, you know what, let's go back and watch the original and then see. It's, it's kind of like also with like Scream Factory's uh, release of The Fly on box set, you know? They have, you know, The Fly and Return of the Fly and, you know, all the old Fly ones as well as the the Cronenberg ones. And you know that most people bought that set for the Cronenberg movies. I would imagine probably, yeah. Yeah. I You know, I yeah, I passed on that. I... Maybe maybe if I get a few extra bucks Christmas time, I may, I may try to. I keep looking at that one, and I keep looking at the Omen one, and it seems like there's another. Is there a third box set out there? The, I see the Omen out there. I see the Fly. Yeah, there's the Omen, the Fly, Critters. Yeah, I got that. Yeah. Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street, which they're working on apparently. So. Yeah, that's yeah, that's. Oh, yeah, you know what? I told you I had that little bit of a slush run now uh, for Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I keep window shopping, man. I keep looking at things I, I, I think maybe I want to get but shouldn't get. <laughs> and because in the back of my mind, I keep trying to tell myself over and over and over, eventually, very soon, somewhere down the road, we are getting a Peter Jackson box set of oh, Bad yeah. Days, Meet the Feebles, Dead Alive, 4K, I mean that stuff is coming. That box is coming down the pike at some point. Yeah, and that is going to be a freaking mandatory freaking purchase. Mandatory. Yeah. And from what we've heard, you know, it's uh, sooner rather than later. You know, he's he's actively working on it right now. You know, so. God, man, and that's the beauty of it. We're talking about it, and, and you know, in, in relation to we'll talk about it in our listing, you know. You know, only half of which has a physical media, at least on my list, only half of it has a physical media release. But, you know, and the other is just, 
<clears throat> been relegated to streaming, you know, various platforms. But you made me think about something, you know, um, the beauty of physical media, man. I mean, and I really need to grab this, man. If nothing else, just for the stupid commentary, and that is uh, Monsters Go Home because it has the uh, the blue has the uh, Rob Zombie commentary track. Oh, nice! And yeah, it's considering big fan of that, we, and you know he's working on uh, his he's working on his version. Yeah, so it's definitely. It, it, I think it would definitely be a, a window into what his version is going to be like. It could be, and I thought about that. I, mean, I really want to listen to it. Just it, it, this has got to be. I mean, I, you know, I want his, I want his version, but at the same time, I want, I want, I don't know. I don't want it. I want, I want <laughs> it to be what it should be, but with. You know, some minor Rob footprints, but like nothing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's gonna set it in like a trailer park or anything. <laughs> so, you know, um, I'll still be seeing in the theater regardless. But I mean, yeah, yeah. It, well, that's one of those it's a freaking theatrical release because now they're saying Peacock may may freaking have it. What the hell is this peacock? This freaking crap. We might as well just freaking get it out of the way right now. I'm freaking sick and tired of these freaking little platforms getting these freaking movies and it not getting a theatrical or not getting a physical media release. I'm freaking tired of this freaking junk. Oh, yeah. And if I can't go to the theater to see the monsters and I don't even get a physical media release of it because Peacock freaking owns it, I'm telling you why, man. Yeah, um... I'm quite sure there'll there'll be a physical release of that. Um, I was just thinking one of the movies in question on our list, uh, Peacock had in it that is getting a nice 4K release. So nice. So that's coming. <laughs> I think what January maybe. I think so. Would yeah. say this, but I'm sure some listening know what we're talking about. Oh yeah. I got to save some of my slush money for that too, though. I got to get that. I'll probably get that on 4K because I think. Uh, the color palette is is such that I think it's the 4K is going to look beautiful. Yeah, for sure. So should we get into the lists now? Oh, I guess we stop our love fest of physical media. And... Oh yeah, of course it's going to come up again during the this thing. So because Will isn't here, I have his list written down here. So we're going to go uh, one by one. So we'll go like Will, then like either me or Rob, then vice versa and just go through them so will's number 10 for the 2021 is paranormal activity next of kin really yeah um i haven't watched it yet i haven't either you know um i i know that will doesn't really like the paranormal activity series as a whole. So the fact that it's on here makes me, you know, kind of, um, interesting. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, his favorite, like mine was, uh, I think, uh, part three, you know, and the fact that this is on here, it makes me think maybe, maybe it's something, maybe it's worth watching. I don't know. You know, I, it's funny. I don't know what that's streaming on. I can't remember, but I, I, I in these last couple of weeks, I, I did see that title, and I was re- thinking to myself, should I, shouldn't I? But I'm not 
I'm not really, you know, very familiar with that franchise, so kind of didn't make sense to. Yeah, um, it's one of those series I think that's very hit or miss. Um, they have a few good entries, um, but a lot of them, even even the good entries, are usually focusing on the same, like, like points that all the other ones are like a still camera looking at pans and then a pan will shake, you know? Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I'm not sure about next of kin cause I haven't watched it yet, but like I said, um, paranormal activity has always been a series. I think that would actually work better as without the found footage. I think it would have worked better as a purely like subjective, like a subjective camera, just watching everything, you know, and telling the story without uh, having to make everything fit into found footage. But that's just me. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I don't. You know, I'm I'm thinking to myself, I this is probably going to come to a shock to a lot of people, but I don't think I've seen one of those movies. Wow. Yeah. Um, the first one you should probably see. Yeah, I was thinking about that just now. Yeah. The first one's pretty good. Three is good. And honestly, um, the marked ones I really enjoyed. I know will didn't like it, but, um, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was fine and it kind of went in a bit of a different direction, which was cool. Some of the part two is a complete waste of time. Like I said, if you have like a demon haunting you and the most that it's doing is cleaning your pool, um, <laughs> I th- I think you have, you know, there's more pressing matters than getting rid of said demon. That's funny. That's all it does. It cleans the pool. <laughs> so we'll move on now. Uh, do you want to give your 10? Yeah, sure. Um, number number 10. Now, I, I do have a caveat, I guess. Um, you know, this is uh, a this is a list that is not re- really reflective of an entire year's watching. Um, so there's been a lot of scrambling here of late, but I would be missed to uh, have any sort of list without first giving some love out to uh, uh, Italy. And so number 10, yeah. uh, a classic horror story uh, from, I had to probably butcher their name, Roberto De Feo and Palio Stripoli, maybe, um, it's, uh, on Netflix, uh, Italy, of course, it's an Italian film. Uh, basically I'll just give you the, the short IMDB, uh, in this gruesome suspense film, tra- uh, strangers traveling in Southern Italy become stranded in the woods where they must fight desperately to get out alive. Um, it was, you know, I, I, well, anyone knows me on body bags. I freaking love Italian movies and how freaking good is it to, you know, Get one from twenty one, yeah. And yeah. so it's 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 a weird freaking movie because I would say like three quarters of it, I freaking absolutely freaking love. I mean, really dug it, dug what it was trying to do. Uh, you know, paying you know um, the films that it was paying respect to, pretty obvious. Um, 
but then like somewhere at that I don't know about three quarters of the way when it when it starts to hit the reveal stage of the film mm-hmm. I'm not saying it completely lost me but man it just I don't know man that last quarter was like I don't know I just, I'm still kind of getting my mind wrapped around it's you know what it's kind of like I guess in a way um it's kind of like um the Italian take I guess on um cabin in the woods oh okay so it's got one of those like really freaking bizarre like when the reveal starts to kick in you're just sort of like what okay <laughs> and you know and uh, you know and um the one girl that's in the group uh it, it's a group of you know kids um who I, and i don't i didn't quite understand they're they're traveling they're trying to get to I guess varying points of destinations, and so there's this guy who's driving this. I don't know. It's kind of like I don't know. It's kind of like this. Uh, he's in the business of taking people, um, you know, places, or you know, they're going home, and so they don't have to pay the big fare, I guess, to either okay. fly or whatever. And so they're all sort of together, but they're all going to you know certain you know. And uh, the one girl, the main protagonist, uh, she we find out real early on that she's pregnant. Oh, okay. So a lot of the film, too, kind of sort of plays as a metaphor for the struggles that she's having to go through because um, mom, mom, she's pretty much, because of her career, she's pretty much being forced by her parents, I think, into an abortion. Oh, okay. And so she's kind of really struggling with that. So, like, a lot of the movie sort of feels like it's sort of like maybe a weird sort of, um, but it's, it's sort of like, yeah, an Italian take on cabin in the woods, but paying respect to midsummer Texas chainsaw. Hmm. A lot of weird things, man. Wicker, wicker, the wicker man, maybe. I mean, a lot of just weird, but there's a lot of, interesting visuals like the cinematography is really freaking and is really cool and then the music um and there's this you know maybe just of recent we get movies that love to incorporate that uh the use of the the siren oh yeah something freaking really bad is about to go down you get that freaking siren effect yeah there is a freaking siren effect in this freaking suit basically i'm not going to go that far into it but basically on route their vehicle ends up crashing and when they wake up their vehicle's out in the middle of freaking nowhere and no one can remember how it is that they freaking got from two feet off the road having crashed into a tree to suddenly they're all waking up in their freaking vehicle and they're in the middle of this freaking field with you know and there's this weird looking house nice and so you know from that point forward the film begins to move in a lot of the familiar pathways that I just sort of already threw out there with some of those movies. Um, but with all sort of, I guess, this overarching idea of Cabin in the Woods being sort of that main thing in terms of the last, especially the last quarter of the film, which is, I mean, it's, it's like I've before in the past, man, sometimes how a director, how a filmmaker decides to end a movie can either make it or break it for you. That's true. And and I'm not going to say this broke it for me by any stretch of the imagination. It's just not what I was gunning for. <laughs> I mean, yeah. when it the turn, it's like, 
uh, but then when you really think about it, it it does have its own weird sense of you do want to sort of backpedal a little bit through that last quarter stretch and think through it. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. I, I definitely it's Netflix. So I mean, there you go. First one right off the list. Freaking streaming. No uh, no physical media release in sight it's, at least as far as I, I i looked i didn't look on amazon uk or anything but yeah well it uh, is a foreign film so i'm assuming we'll probably get uh a release from like a foreign release so a classic a classic horror story which funny the title of the movie actually is uh is a piece of dialogue in the film so oh that's cool you know, one of the characters actually you know as things start to go from bad to much worse he i think he utters this line something to the effect of um uh the, you know great this feels like a, a classic horror story something to like, like that yeah but anyway so yeah so i had to give some love to italy i'm, I'm just glad uh I, there was something there to uh watch yeah yeah very cool um i haven't i haven't seen it yet um it's one i keep thinking like you know I want to watch that, but then it's like, uh, I'll watch this instead, you know? <laughs> and of course, you know, recently I've been doing my, uh, 12 days of black Christmas. So I've been watching a lot of Christmas horror things. So I tend to put off, <laughs> you know, 2021 stuff for some Christmas stuff. <laughs> yeah. But okay. So my number 10 is the resort. Really? Yeah. I really dug the resort. I mean, um, these people, uh, basic plots, these people go to this island. It's, it's Where was it? Can you remember? Was it in Hawaii? Um, yeah, it was one of the small islands uh, right in that little grouping yeah. there. And there's like this hotel there, and uh, it's supposedly haunted. So they're going to, they go decide to check it out. And, um, yeah, it, it, it doesn't work out too well for him. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. But, um, this scene, this movie alone is worth it for the car. Yes. You know this <laughs> scene. True. You know oh, this scene. Crap, that scene took me by surprise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this girl just... <laughs> Man, I I don't even know how to describe it. She's in a vehicle. She thinks she's going to be able to, I don't know, maybe get themselves out out of their uh, that that area where the resort is. Yep. And and then it's like unseen forces suddenly just rev the car on and then plow right through the building off a freaking. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that scene alone made it made it top 10 material you know um i would thoroughly you, enjoyed it as a film honestly would you think of the nod to uh or at least i took it like that and not the nod to dead alive at least from the cover art when that uh the ghost rips the face off that person yeah yeah it was a few it was a few good effects and stuff in there there was i mean it was a how can I put this? It was is a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was it was a by the numbers movie, but 
at the same time, it hit all those numbers just right. You know, you th- the very end without giving really anything away. But what do you think of it? I thought I thought you know it it fit the movie. You know, um, I'm not gonna say it's the greatest ending in the world, but I thought it fit oh. it 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 fit with what we've been shown. You know, and it, and yeah. it worked. I, I pretty, I, I pretty. I mean, I, mean, I, I kind of dug the characters and um, some of the conversations they were having um, upon first getting to the island. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I was. Yeah, that wasn't. Uh, crap, I can't remember. Was that Netflix too, or was that something? Um, was that Hulu? I think that's Shutter. Was it? I thought it was Hulu. Maybe. Um, maybe. Well, for you, it might be different, though. Could be. Yeah. Um. I think uh, it's got like a shutter release on DVD. Interesting. At least up here. So. Interesting. Yeah. So it's definitely one. You know, it's. I'll say it's one of the ten. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's a fun flick. Uh, if you like. You know, like ghost type things you'll probably dig it you know yeah <laughs> so moving on to number nine will's number nine is army of the dead i still haven't watched army of the dead really it's it's just such a long movie that I, I i just keep i'm like i'm gonna watch army of the dead and then i look at that runtime and i'm like I really don't want to spend that much time watching a movie right now. You know, I feel better now that, uh, well, I figured it would have been on the list, but I really didn't think, if it was on the list, I really didn't think it would be this close to the the list. So that makes me feel a bit better because this one actually uh, fell out of my my top ten. Well, nothing wrong with Uh, that. And that's, Uh, I don't know... I don't know what it was exactly. I mean, I don't know if it was. Well, you know, and I griped a lot about uh, some of the um, uh, some of uh, Zach's um, choosing some of his shots just seemed so close to um, aliens. Mm, probably. Uh, I mean, and it just. It just didn't. I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was kind of a fun ride, but it was long. I mean, it was really, really long. Yeah, I'm, I mean, for a zombie movie to be, isn't it nearly three hours? Almost, I think. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, yeah. that the time like actually kept me from revisiting it. I decided just not, not even to revisit it. I did see it when it first came out. Yeah. Um, I am curious about. I'm probably more curious about Army of Thieves. Yeah. Yeah, that's out now, isn't it? Um, it's coming, yeah. Yeah, uh, apparently it's got nothing to do with zombies, so. That, that, <laughs> that's interesting, so, wow. Yeah, I mean, um, it's definitely an interesting choice. I mean, um, it's one of those movies that people talked about it a lot when it first came out, and then they seem to have just kind of stopped. You know, it's like they were talking about it, talking about it, talking about it, and then all of a sudden, you don't hear anything else about it anymore. I don't know. That's true, yeah. Yeah. 
But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I it's, it's one I will get around to watching eventually. But honestly, I'm when it comes to zombies and stuff, I'm I'm I don't want to say I'm bored of the zombie genre because it's kind of hard to get bored of zombies. But everything is zombies, you know. Yeah, it's it, it has. Well, I mean, it's like let them rot for a bit, you know. Um, you got that movie. We'll talk about it later, probably for at least a minute if we remember. But you got that one coming out out of Taiwan that was uh oh yeah yeah we'll just you know, just yeah we'll we'll maybe very very and talk about that as a much much looked forward to yeah I, I was sort of getting you know look yeah. if I'm gonna watch something zombie man I'm just gonna put zombie on or or dawn of the dead or something yeah yeah you know it's it's just I don't know it, if I was to say like it's gotten stale <laughs> you know, talking about zombies and saying it's gotten stale is kind of funny, but you know, um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm just kind of done with zombies, at least for a while. You know, let like I said, let them rot for a while. Um, let's let let's bring up some other stuff and then give it a couple of years, bring the zombies back, like it with like a vengeance. It could be cool. Yeah, I hear you. Definitely. Yeah. So, what's your number nine? All right. Uh, number number nine is... Um, it's funny. I didn't even think about this one until really just sort of recently. But, um, you know... Well, I'm just going to... Um, it is it is a film that we have been blessed um, to get from uh, George A. Romero... Um, a film that no one's been able to see um, in the last, what, 30, 40 years. Yeah. Uh, that he filmed for, um, the, Luther, for the Lutheran Society um, back in 75. is just now got its release in 21. And, of course, I'm you know talking about the amusement park, which is a Shudder exclusive. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I saw this movie... When it first when it first came out on Shutter, and boy, I mean, it just it just really hit me. Basically, you know, the amusement park ends up, you know, somewhat being a metaphor for um, um, all the just the, the the hellish nightmare, I guess that 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 life can start to become as we age and get older. Mm. And the things that will settle in for like, you know, dementia or Alzheimer's or anything like that, or just, just the idea of just getting old and starting the process of feeling more and more useless. Mm-hmm. And so you basically, you know, you, you, the, the film opens up and you get this, this older gentleman who's in this sort of like white room. And have you seen it yet? Not yet, no. And he's all sort of beaten and battered like he's just been through hell. And... Mm-hmm. A young, not a younger. I shouldn't say that. A a much fresher version of himself walks into the door <laughs> and says, "You know, you know, what are you? Basically, what are you doing in here? Come on, let's let's you know, let's go out. You want to go out? You want to talk a little bit? And of course, the guy, you know, the the older, beaten up version of himself is just sitting there, 
and he's just like, no, 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 you know, there's, you know, leave me alone kind of thing. And he's like, come on, no, let's, 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 you know, you got to get out of here. Let's get out there. And he's like, no, there's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. And he says, well, I, I need to see for myself. And so he leaves him his old batter, I guess, battered up version of himself there. And he goes out uh, and into the amusement park, which really is, a, a, is just, um, a, a, just life in general. Mm. And but everything that he experiences very quickly descends into this just this nightmarish world of just you know just nobody freaking cares about me anymore. Nobody has any concern about me anymore. Mm. And and more and more people are taking advantage. And it's just it, you know well. George apparently was commissioned by the Lutheran Society because they wanted something. They wanted something to be able to show um, their staff um, to help educate, you know, just, you know, the the hardships that come with, you know, getting old. Mm. And for whatever reason, apparently he did too good of a job because they decided not <laughs> to use it. Well, there you go. George Romero did too good of a freaking job. Yeah. Right? And, and it's funny. He already had a few movies under his belt. He had, what, Night of the Living Dead. I think he had Season of the Witch. It seems like maybe there was another one he had. Um, um, crazies, maybe? Yeah, The Crazies. And it seemed like there was one more. Um, what, I can't remember what it was. But he had a handful already. And so this was this this was sort of a work for hire, however they term that. And... Uh, and then for whatever reason, they just never use it. And so then they sort of got lost to the dustbin of history. And until uh, I think a family, uh, well, a friend of the family, I think, r- realized of late that he had a 16 millimeter copy of this thing. Mm-hmm. And with the new foundation that they that I think his wife, uh, the family have created in light of George's passing in 17, July 17, um, mm-hmm. which is absolutely horrific just to think about um, having lost him. Um yeah. They decided to, uh, you know, um, get this movie um, back out out there into the light of day, and uh, it is a Shutter exclusive. Shutter paid for the rights to. Um, I wish it would get a physical media release. Um, actually, you know, it's one of those that. It's one of those that, and maybe the timing didn't work out or whatever. But it's like you know, I think Arrow had that. Was it Arrow had that um, between? Yeah. Between, uh... Oh, what is that? But it had, like, four of his movies or something in there. Yeah. One of them, Season of the Witch. You know, this is this is one of those movies that would be perfect, perfectly added to a small George Romero collection. Ah, uh, yeah. So, you know, um, almost like, you don't want to say, like, a special feature, but almost like, uh, just added into an existing set. No. You know, like, here you go. It I is mean, like, worth- a, like a bonus. It is so worth watching though, because it is it is it is really a horrifying journey in the sense that if you just you know really start to think that man you know well I mean I'm 51 so I mean I'm not that far away from you know and just mm-hmm. to think about how horrible life can get you know and it does for many mm-hmm. for various reasons um, it, it it is a really compelling visual on um on that oh. it's just wow it just yeah and i rewatched it again this morning actually oh, it's, nice. uh, 
the uh, runtime is only 54 minutes. Oh, and, that, yeah. That, that, you know, you could you could tack that on to, like, an existing disc somewhere. Yeah. And it's, it's, oh, man, I just, I'm just thinking about it now. Just this, the pain, the pain that this poor guy goes through and realizing at the very end, there's, there's a pivotal scene, a pivotal scene where it, it, it's sort of like he can, he, there's still hope in humanity. There's still hope for him. Mm. And it just gets freaking yanked from him. Oh, it's just a gut wrenching scene. Just to, to, to see him. And that's, you know, you know, at that point, he's not that far from being the old, you know, the much more battered up version of himself that, you know, he yeah. will, uh, you know, another version of him will come in again and just sort of kind of replays on that. You know, I guess sort of like uh, um, it can with uh, those suffering from dementia or, you know, just aging. Yeah. It's yeah. it's been I, I I felt like in the end I had to I had to have it on my list somewhere because it is George A. Romero and it's it's you know getting the release in twenty one I think it's uh it's a nice reminder in all the the freaking junk and garbage we've had to go through in these last couple of years it, it was a nice reminder that there's still stuff out there that this guy has made that needs to be seen this mm. being so if you know. Yeah. If people out there haven't seen it yet, it's uh, at least here in the states, it's uh, it's on Shutter, and uh, it really it does need to be seen. It cool. is an interesting piece, a little piece of work. Nice, and I mean, relatively short too, fifty something minutes, right? So yeah, fifty four. Yeah, so I mean, literally not even an hour. So anyone could just throw that on, couldn't they? <laughs> Yeah, and it's got George's footprints, man. It just it has his stuff written all over. You you know it's a George A. Romero film when you see it. That's cool. You can't go wrong with that. (laughs) Okay, my number nine is uh, the Devil Below. Really? Yeah. I'm a I'm a sucker for like, um, you know. A good monster flick. That's essentially what it is. You know, there's a there's a hole, and there's things in it, and a town that's very much obsessed with keeping it, uh, keeping knowledge of it to themselves, and. You know, I, I I don't want to go in too much with spoilers. It's it's one just 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 watch it. Yeah, is it? Um, oh man, the main guy in there. Um, yeah, uh, what's his name? No, is it Will Patton? Uh, I'm gonna check because I can't I can't remember his name. Uh. The devil below. Uh, oh, okay. Appa- apparently, it's also called Shookum Hills. Yeah, it is Will Patton. Cool. Yeah, I, I got a real big kick out of his character in that movie. Yeah, I mean, it was just a, a it was just a fun movie. 
You know, and that's one thing I've I found with a lot of the movies on my list. They're just fun. You know? I mean, it it didn't get the greatest ratings. I mean, IMDb got, you know, 4.2 out of 10. You know, but ignore that. It's just a fun flick with some, you know, interesting creature designs. I guess you could say creature designs. I mean, it's their teeth. Kind of reminded you of the descent a little bit, didn't it? It it did. It's very okay. similar to the descent. It has that? It definitely has that feel to it. And I like the fact that how can I put this? There are no real villains in it. When you're when you're first watching it, you think you know, like oh, you know, like the townspeople, like they're they're hiding something. It's all, you know, they're like the villains of the. They're not actually the villains. They're just trying to stay alive. You know, I I, I kind of dig that. I thought it was pretty cool that um, like you had the 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 two those two main characters there at the beginning, one one that was taking a very very heavy science approach, the other was taking a pretty heavy religious approach and neither of them ended up being really right no no it, it, <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was an interesting way to write you know just uh i just thought it was interesting it was you know it was just an all-around it was a fun movie it was a fun movie and that's that's like i said that's something i find i found a lot actually with um you know this year's movies like a lot are just kind of fun and I have no problem with that. You know, I think it's it's maybe it's some like sign of the times. I mean, people are kind of sick of everything being uh, so, you know, serious and everything. Yeah, that's true. But just you know, people just want like a bit of fun, and you can't yeah. blame them for it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that movie. That was uh, that was one of the the better, more fun watches of twenty one I had for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, it. No one's gonna say it's gonna win like an award for like the greatest movie ever made or anything, but let's put it this way: it's like an hour and a half or whatever. Um, there are worse ways you can spend an hour and a half. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Move on to number eight. Uh, Will's number eight is Godzilla versus Kong. Interesting. I mean, I love Godzilla versus Kong. It's a Godzilla movie. That's reason enough. And when it comes to Godzilla, you know, I am a big Godzilla fan. And I don't care what people say. Godzilla won that fight. God damn it. <laughs> Some people say it was Kong. No, Kong got off, you know, got off light. But that movie gave me everything I wanted in a in a Godzilla movie. You know, it gave me Mecha Godzilla. That's reason enough. You know, I, and again, it's just fun. Yeah. You know? I I I I'm really looking forward to what they do next with the Godzilla and Kong stuff. Um, I think I I don't know what their plan is, 
But honestly, I just I would like to see Space Godzilla. Just saying. You know. Yeah. It's interesting. I you know, I should have figured I should I should have figured Will would have had this on his list. I, I try to I try to keep I thought about it, I try to keep some movies like this deliberately off in a way, just you know, but Yeah. Um I love the fight sequences in that movie. I mean, it was such a, a fun movie to see in the theater. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I think my biggest, I think my, my big dis- disappointment, I thought, was, you know, the, the, the guy that's operating Mecha. Um, uh, Mecha Godzilla, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it just, it wasn't very apparent to me having, you know, had, having seen the theater but you know, Derek was telling me, you know, that he is playing his character is the son of I can't remember his name, but the guy from the other Godzilla movies uh, that you know was uh, famous for the line he gives, "Let them fight." Oh yeah, Doctor Sarazawa. Yeah, and he and that's his boy, and it just it, yeah, a whole lot more to that story. Because I'm sure a lot of people were like me, and just it just flew right over the head, and and I just never. And when Derek told me that, I was just kind of like, "Dang, well that kind of sucks. That that could have been a really interesting. You know, I would have wished they would have left more of the whole Middle Earth stuff off by the wayside and spent more time developing that character. Because I thought that could have been a really neat character. It could have been honestly, and um, you know. I'm not going to say there's not issues with it because there there are issues with it. I mean, when when it comes to Godzilla movies, one thing I always am a big fan of is less people because I don't care about the people. I'm going to a Godzilla movie to see giant monsters fight, and we do get a lot of that. We do. But honestly, some of the human stuff is just kind of uh, really okay. Like, like why? Why does um, why does Stranger Things girl, you know, need to make her way to to like China via underground railroad or something? That really didn't sound right. <laughs> you know, it's it like. Does- I mean, I, I like the fact that, you know, that, like, the essentially the janitor is the guy that's got everything kind of figured out. I thought that was kind of cool, you know? Like, the, the one guy you would literally not expect, you know, to have, like, a brain in his head almost, but he's the one that realizes that stuff's going down. You know, I think that's kind of cool. I like the fact that they, uh, you know, they have, um, like, with a podcast, that's how they find this guy. I dug that. You know, um, it was good, but honestly, um, I could have done with less monkey, more giant lizard. (laughs) I guess it's just a, yeah, yeah, more mecha, honestly. Um, Maybe it's just one of those things, you know, people go into it with, you know, their favorite. Do they like Godzilla? Do they like Kong? I've never been the biggest Kong fan. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy King Kong and everything. 
but there was no question in my mind that Godzilla was going to win. Godzilla did win, and Kong is now living underground. He got his ass handed to him and sent underground. <laughs> it did make going back to the theater fun. Yeah. For sure. I mean, that's what you need in times like this. You need, like, the spectacle movies, you know? Yeah. True. Things to bring people back in and just really, you know, have a blast. That's why I'm sure, you know, the new Spider-Man's gonna do wonders in the theater. Oh, it already is, I think. Yeah, I think it's, like, on its way to being, like, the is like the topest grossing one or something. I don't know. It's catching up with other ones pretty quickly, apparently. <laughs> and it's literally been at, we're filming, we're recording this the like day it came out. So there you go. <laughs> okay. So what's your number eight? All right. Uh, another foreign film. This one was a surprise to me because, um, when I saw it, I wanted to, it was, you know, being a 21 film, I wanted to check it out. But in order to check it out, I first had to watch the movie that preceded it. Oh, okay. So um, my number um, eight entry is from Poland. Nobody sleeps in the woods tonight, too. Nice. Um, I got to say, man, the first entry into this was so freaking bonkers man yeah that was and, and it was and you know it's it's you know it's got a lot it's got a lot of the stuff that we would expect you know the um you know the wrong turn type movies mm-hmm. you know in this case you got um if i remember right man it's um it's sort of uh send your kids to this camp who are addicted to electronic devices mm-hmm <laughs> And uh, and so of course when they uh, check in, you know they gotta fork everything over, and then it's you know becomes sort of uh, you know hit the ground you know hard and heavy and you know try to do anything and everything to get these kids you know off of their so-called addictions. <laughs> so you get this group of kids and they go off you know and of course you got this uh, trail guide you know who thinks she knows everything and. Little did they know, there's you know there's this uh, family living out in these woods, not to be messed with, mm-hmm. and that's where everything is sort of like okay, been here, done it, but it's from Poland, so it's going to have its own weird, quirky sense of how to approach some of the things that we've seen a million times. Yeah, and there comes a, a weird moment in the movie where you know, sort of take cliche, I guess, and toss it out the freaking window because you get this almost kind of like, you know, just thought about it. It almost reminds me of dead snow when, you know, the, when the kids end up having that chance meeting with the guy who gives them the backdrop story mm-hmm. on everything that's going on and why it's going on. Uh, you sort of get that where a couple of the kids are trying to get out of this, out of the woods and they, they come across this cabin or something, I think. And anyways, this guy brings them in. And he becomes the guy who basically gives them the backdrop of this family that they've run into. That's cool. And and what it basically you got two boys who who are mutated giants who oh. are you know and but how they become mutated is 
was the first time for me, man. Mm-hmm. Basically, 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 short end of it is um, he as he explains to the kids that uh, you know it was a normal it was a normal family mom taking care of the two boys, um, and uh, this meteorite blows up way up above over their house. And okay. when the fragments hit the ground, of course, the boys being boys go grab a big chunk of this meteorite, take it into their house. And it's, it's you know, doesn't take long for this meteorite to start oozing out this, this sort of alien ooze, whatever. Mm-hmm. And finds its way into these boys, man. And that's what becomes the catalyst for the mutation. That's pretty cool. And so when mom realizes what's happened, of course, all she can do is keep them locked up in the cellar and just feed them. Yeah. And so there comes a point where they get out, and when they do, they become the... And so, you know, anyway, so, you you know, you kind of ride that to the end. And uh, but so then you put in the sequel. Mm. Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight 2. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's one of those weird freaking movies where they take everything in the first movie and by the end of the second one it is so turned on its freaking head and it's so far removed from what it was <laughs> it's like oh, okay. it's by the time you get to the end of this basically the sequel opens up and you got this you open up a dream sequence to this who the main protagonist is cop who basically is is not looked on very well by anyone in his in his precinct or his little where he works and um, so it's kind of like a coming coming of age story about him just trying to find himself. Okay. And so you know when you know basically he comes into the the station in the morning. They've already got two of these the two mutants in a cell and with a surviving girl in the cell next to him. Oh, dude! And from there it just goes, man. And. Uh, it is just such a freaking weird movie. I'm not going to freaking say that much more about it, but um, it, it, it's it's it, you know towards the end I was thinking everything from freaking Clive Barker to freaking uh, Del Toro to Peter Jackson to I, I mean even a sense of Lovecraft you know in a weird way it it just it goes off in this weird direction and by the time you get to the very and this is the movie that has that. Um, very violent moment towards the end that you're not expecting. Ah, okay. We'll just leave it at that. And it just comes out of freaking nowhere. And it's just like, you're just like, what? <laughs> now what is this character going to do? And then finally, you know, of course, he's the only thing left of, of this whole mutated thing. And he's freaking hauled off to be studied by, you know, the military, I guess. <laughs> And, you know, and it's just, it opens up, and apparently there's a third one coming, and I don't know where they're going to take this thing, man, but this movie is so freaking bonkers. It's so, it it takes, you know, at the very beginning, it it takes what, you know, is just, you know, a bunch of cliche stuff that we've seen a million times, and it just becomes something else, man, by the time you get to the end of the the sequel. So, I had so much freaking fun with this, I, I just had to be in there, because I love, I love foreign movies. And I love it even when they even when they deal with stuff that we've seen a million times over. It's always with some weird, fresh approach. Yeah, very true. I mean, um, zombie movies are a perfect example. You know, you could be bored of anything, like bored out of your mind of zombie movies, but you see one from like South Korea. You know, I'm thinking, you know, like uh, Train to Busan or whatever, and it's it's just something different. 
It is. Uh, the only thing I warrant, it, it's on, um, let's say it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Both of them, part one and two. The run times are freaking long, man. Are they? But yeah, long. I mean, like the sequel is like an hour thirty six minutes. The and the first film's longer. Oh damn! Wow, that's and it, it. Yeah, it's just it's one of those movies, man. It's just you can tell the director's like, I don't give a. I'm just gonna take my time and have fun, do what I want to do, and you're either on board for the ride or you're not. That that's cool. And I mean, it, that, that's the it, way. That's the way it should be. Yeah, so I mean, you know, if anyone's out, you know, hasn't seen it, hasn't even heard of it, looking for something different, something from Poland. I mean, how often do we get to see a horror movie from Poland? Yeah, honestly, not very often. Um, Nobody sleeps in the woods tonight. Yes, part two. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So, my number eight is Malignant. Ah. I mean, by now, probably most people have seen Malignant. Um, it's still pretty fresh for people, but if if you don't know, um, essentially, you got this girl, and uh, I don't want to spoil the ending of it, so how can I put this? Uh, killings are happening, and she's essentially seeing what this killer is doing, like in, I guess, visions, I guess you could say. And, you know, it quickly becomes evident that there is definitely more going on here than we are really, you know, led to believe. But it's, it's just, a. will say this, it mixes... Uh, basket case with uh, David Cronenberg body horror with like uh, oh what's that what's that movie um the eyes of Laura Mars it mixes those three together quite well and honestly again it's fun. Yeah, it is. Um, I I may be comment, commenting on this <laughs> a little bit later, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. It's James Wan dealing with a lot of things. One of which, um, Giello. Yeah, which is yeah. sort of really neither. I mean, it really isn't. But I mean, it, it, it's funny. He's just he's having fun with a lot of different. I guess subgenres is a way of saying it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you you definitely feel the the homages to the different genres, and yeah, Jalo definitely fits in there because you know the killer's got like the raincoat and like the black gloves and everything. Uh, my only gripe with this movie is. Uh, Again, I'm trying to do this spoiler-free. If you've seen this movie, you'll know the scene I'm talking about. You know how at the end there's essentially... uh, The girl thinks something has happened, but it actually hasn't? Okay. 
I wish it actually had happened. Interesting, yeah. As opposed to, you know, the the ending we got, I would have preferred it if it had actually happened, and then she, you know, having to deal with the consequences of that happening. I think it would have been a bit more interesting, but that's just me. Yeah. You know. I liked it, though. Good effects all around. Um, f- from what I could tell, it was I think it was pretty much all practical. I'm, I'm sure there was some CG in there, but I mean, I think 90% of it was practical. Oh, that third act is freaking bonkers, man. It is. I mean, honestly, if, if you're watching it and like you're about like three quarters of the way through and you just think, well, you know, it's, it's okay. Wait till you get to the last the last quarter. Um, I, I thought I was watching Kill Bill on Acid or something, man. Yeah. Yeah, it, <laughs> it can change your thoughts. To say the least. Yeah, it it's, just goes into a whole other gear, boy. Yeah, it, it's a... Uh, again, like I said, it's just a fun movie. And, you know, it's it's something we need more of. And uh, apparently they are working on a sequel to it. Um, I don't know exactly how that's going to work with the how it ended and everything, but we'll see. It could be interesting. You know, um, we'll just have to wait and see. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll let you talk more on it when you when you get to it, you know. Um, so, should we move on to number seven? Sure. Will's number seven is a classic horror story. What? Yep. Nice. Had it higher than me, but man, nice. Nice that he had it. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we've already covered talking about it, but... Well, did you take his take, or, I mean, just any... Did he give you any thoughts at all on that? Not really. I mean, uh, I know his take on some of these, but uh, for the most part, you know... Just curious to know what he thought about the end. You know, for me, it was sort of, I don't know, not really sure how to work that in my mind, but I wonder how he took it. I wonder how he... Huh. Yeah. It, I don't know. <laughs> it is yeah. nice. Yeah. So, uh, what was your number seven? All right. This is uh, this may be a little bit high up on the list, um, but um, it just sort of I guess it's just sort of where it settled. Uh, my number uh, seven. Um, I know you saw it in the theater. I kind of wish I would have. Candyman. Very nice. Because uh-huh. that is my number seven as well. Really? Yep. Uh, yeah, DaCosta. Um, I saw it uh, out of Redbox, um, and um, I and I'll say this too: it's um, I've noticed this because I went through my whole my whole top ten, and I was I started to see a weird trend. Um, you know, this was a this was a U.S., Canada, and Australia effort. Yeah. And. But I thought, you know, I saw I, I mean I got it out of Redbox when it first came out and I'm always I'm always a little weary about remake. You there, Rob? Hello. Hello. Hard over the head with 
Um, <laughs> you you, you kind of disappeared for a minute there. Oh, um, it just just in this you know this time that we live in, um, you know mess uh, you know messaging can be you know a little hard to take sometimes when it's being thumped over your head too hard. Yeah. And yeah. I and I thought you know I mean you know there are a few few places in this you know but you know not as much as I've seen not near as much as I've seen in other movies and I, I was I was really I think I was I think the thing that I enjoyed the most out of Candyman um, I think was how how they rooted it into the original film yeah. How they played with the mythology. I loved the uh, the the main protagonist. I thought, man, I thought he was a lot of fun to watch throughout the whole movie. I love just how uh, the director handled the mythology, um, bringing it up to sp- or bringing it up to our time, um, but paying some serious nod to the original in, in, in terms of. I guess we'll just not really talk that much about it, but. When you find out more about the protagonist, yeah, and and who he is, I thought yeah. was, um, you know, brilliant might might be a little too too generous of a word, but I, I loved it. I thought that was an interesting way to sort of lay this out there. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you you know how it is, like. <sighs> They have this tendency sometimes when they, I don't, I don't know what you call a movie like this. You can't, you can't really call it a reboot. You can't call it a remake, a requel maybe. Um, they have a tendency sometimes to go with like a someone who has no real connection to the original. A good, a good example of this. Uh, think in, um, uh the 2018 Halloween think those two like uh reporter people that right. essentially cause everything, you know, um, they had no real connection to the events of the original at all. They, they were just, you know, some random people. And a lot of the people in the movie don't have a connection to it. There are only a few, the way that they made our main character have a connection to the original was just, it was simple and it was enough. You know, they didn't need to go into a whole backstory about it or whatever. They just needed to say, you know, like this is how it's connected. And you're like, Oh no. And it's, 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 and it's, it's sort of horrifying mm-hmm. for the protagonist. Oh yeah, yeah. It it plays into his his own sort of descent from the minute we first meet him to the closing moments of the film. Yeah, and I thought this was short of. I I guess my only, I guess my only gripe. My only gripes, really, with the entire movie, I think, would have been I thought it, I thought it, I thought it got it, it flirted too much with not really knowing how to handle the climate we're in. Yeah. 
but in terms of how it handled its relationship to what you know as a film it, it's it's rooted in it's 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 it does i mean in a way it's it's it, it plays as a sequel really ought to play yeah far removed from something that ha- has i mean it's almost like the events of the first film has become its own myth which i thought was really freaking cool that was cool i mean i i like the fact that you know that it's essentially it, it, passed around that you know um helen from the first movie was like this psycho woman that did did like all this stuff where the people that actually lived there they knew they know what was really what it was but they let that myth go i think essentially to rob Candyman of his power yeah i thought how they sort of gave a nice little overview of the mythology i can't remember the terminology for but it's sort of that that old old school style puppetry yeah way like of sh- shadow puppets i think yeah, yeah shadow puppetry i think it is yeah um, it worked so well. It, it was beautiful. It was absolutely freaking brilliant. There was the more I think about this movie now, man, maybe it should have been a little bit high. There was a lot to like in it. There was a lot to, um, and, and at least in up until this conversation right now, mm. I it wasn't too like it wasn't like on my mind enough to where. I was thinking to myself, when is this Blu-ray going to get into my collection? Now I'm starting to think to myself, I really ought to think about picking this up because I kind of want to revisit it. I mean, the, you know, the yeah. first time I thought it was a great way. I thought it was one of the better, better, definitely one of, I don't know what the right, it's not really a remake. I mean, because it ties itself too closely yeah. to the original, but in a really nice way which yeah. makes certain things that happen in the original more interesting to go back and revisit just for fun. Yeah. I'm coining a term uh, from now on. They're called requels. Requels. Requel is a reboot, a remake and a sequel all merged into one. That's it, what it, I'm saying. A requel. <laughs> it was a, it was very, it, it was a nice, very nice surprise. I, I really, Kudos to the director, kudos to the vision, kudos to the writing, kudos to a lot of elements of this film. I mean, it just... Oh, yeah, you know. it definitely did more right than it did wrong. Yeah. You know, um... I think if, if the director would have taken more of a George Romero um, way of handling the messaging, I think it could have even been way better. Yeah, I mean, it's the sort of thing... There were certain elements in it that I thought were a little kind of like, I'll give you an example. You know, at the end where the cop shows up, the cops show up and it's like, uh, you know, he's talking to the girl. He's like, well, you can tell it your way or you can be like part of this or whatever. You know, essentially where he's being like a, your typical like racist cop, like your stereotypical racist cop. When it got to that point, I was kind of like, really? Like, you've done such a good job up to this yeah. point. You know, you could you could have changed all that with one scene. All you'd need 
is a scene where you know the the guy in the laundromat right right where he was talking to that cop and and that's all you need just one scene of that and it could be you know like maybe there's more going on here than than we thought you know maybe he's been setting stuff up maybe the cop has been working with them to set stuff up maybe you know maybe there's more to it but it just it just played it like so it took the easy route you know yeah. racist yeah. cops and that's yeah and that happens wait i mean there's not enough george a ramirez out there or even yeah. Topes Hoopers or Wes Craven, what made their movies so freaking great was, yeah, they were freaking angry. They were angry about a lot of stuff that they were having to see and deal with, and they took, you know, they took out their angst in a very creative way in, in, in creative films that we still freaking talk about, like Last House on the Left or Texas or or. Oh, yeah. or one of the dead. I mean, we we talk, we freaking talk. One of the reasons we talk about these movies so much is because these guys were freaking. They were so freaking pissed off at the world, and they created these these freaking masterpieces of freaking horror. But they resonate because they freaking were. I mean, there was they tell more, the truth without beating you over the head with it. They knew how to do it, and and yeah. more people today. Yeah, I don't care. You can be pissed off about a lot of things you see, and rightfully so. But mm-hmm. how you carry that angst out? Um, I, you know, I, I guess more of these people need to take hints from George <laughs> and others that yeah. you can you can get your angst out and do it in a very powerful way, but in a way that allows someone like me or you to walk out of the theater and maybe ten, fifteen minutes after we've watched it go dang yeah instead of really yeah i mean it's the sort of thing and uh you know i guess it's kind of the problem with quote-unquote like woke culture as a whole you know uh, anyone who's listened to this podcast or you know been on our facebook you know like we're not pc at all you know but we you know there are certain things we know happen and we know it's a thing we don't need to be beat over the head with it to know it exists you know and it's like how how can i put this it would it's kind of like Ah, man, I really, I'm trying to think of an analogy that really works here. Um, Okay, I got got it for you. You're walking down the street and some guy comes and he, like, stabs you in the arm. Okay? And then you go to the doctors and the doctor, instead of just helping you out, just literally pours salt in the wound. So... Then you're pissed off at, like, everything instead of just the, you know, what you should be pissed off at. And it seems with a lot of, quote-unquote, like, woke cinema, it's trying to get you pissed off at, like, something so 
so badly that it's kind of missing the point. Yeah, you know, it's at least, at least you know, like I'm a, I'm a white guy. You know, I don't know what it's like to be like to be black. I don't know what it's like, you know, to deal with racism like that or anything. But you know, it can come across in some films as preachy. Which luckily for ninety nine percent of Candyman did not come along come across as preachy. And I was really appreciated appreciative of that. I was appreciative of the fact I could come out of that movie and you know just I could still think about everything. You didn't need to like rage about certain characters or anything. You know, no. I you think know, a lot of stuff tries to tries too hard. It it it, it no. does, and I think it's not very sensitive to, in reality, really what is the big picture. And, yeah. and to give an example, um, the accident that I was involved with the other day, mm-hmm. clearly my fault. Yeah. absolutely my fault and and with any accident though i mean you know especially when it's your fault um i was feeling you know it, it, you know i i couldn't have hit uh, I, this is weird but i mean i couldn't have hit a better person because you know it, it, you know instead of ranting and raving and everything else i mean you know we were doing our you know best to have conversation yeah well, we were waiting for the police, which was taking exceedingly way too long. Mm-hmm. But when um, when our uh, Cobb County police officer arrived on scene, um, I'm just going to throw this out there to make a point about the big picture thing um, from uh, two angles, I guess. Um, well, I guess kill, kill two birds with one stone. Um, he was an a- African-American police officer, mm-hmm. county police officer. And I'm going to tell you what, man, this this gentleman put me at ease and made me feel secure and made me feel the way I needed to feel at that moment, considering the stupid freaking decision I just freaking made. Mm -hmm. And I, I wouldn't have traded the presence of that particular police officer there at that moment for anything in the world. Mm. And that's what I mean about the big picture. There, there is more to the big picture of reality and life and those who we live amongst and live with and coexist with than seemingly all these snapshots that want to get pounded over our heads about this is reality, this is reality. Well, there's a bigger picture to this reality. Yeah. And, you know, and I live in that. I mean, I live in the Deep South, and yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know what it's like to grow up being African-American. I never will. We won't. But I also am very cognizant and very aware that there is that the world I live in doesn't necessarily match up to the snapshots that get pounded over our heads all the time. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's the best way to say it. I mean, in movies, I think a lot of times movies ought to be um, a help to uh, allowing us to help us deal with things uh, in a better way that maybe they need to be dealt with um, mm-hmm. without 
necessary necessarily bludging us with you know yeah with oh well you know this is your fault or their fault or whatever um, yeah. first and foremost i want to see a good movie i want to see a really good crafted movie and if it's propelled by some sort of motivation or messaging that's freaking awesome because who can't say it's not awesome because we all freaking love george a romero and he was a freaking he was a master craftsman at it yeah and and that's fine i mean you know it, we're people people are you know it's so i mean you know so it, it, the candy man i mean was not perfect in that stretch but it did so much that made made watching it so much fun, and yeah, and, and as far as being a, whatever we want to call it, man, requel, <laughs> sequel, <laughs> whatever. My my head is off to the director. I thought, you know, I, I thought I don't know if that movie really could have been written any better than it was, other than obviously some of the things that we already pointed out. Yeah, so it's funny that we were both at seven on that. That was that's funny. Yeah, it really is. You're too high, okay. man. You're too high. <laughs> So moving on to number six, uh, Will's number six is uh, man again another one I haven't seen, and that's uh, Don't Breathe Two. Ah, that another one that was on my list that got bounced off. Oh, well, but I respect it, boy. That is a it, for being a sequel. It's a fun. It, it's it's um it, it it's a different movie than the one that preceded it. That's good. I mean, that's the way to do a sequel. And I love that guy, man. The guy that plays the main character. I can't think of his name, but I, he's in uh, VFW. Um, yeah. He's in a few things. I freaking love, man. He is he is fun to watch. That is a, that is a pretty um, good, good sequel. Um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure where you go. Even if you wanted to do a part three, I'm not, not sure how you go there, but um, being what the movie ends up being what it is. But it's a fun, man. It's it's a good it knows what it is and it has fun with what it is. That is what we need. And it's it's and it's one of those movies that takes like five second setup time and then the rest is like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, dang, well, this is what it set itself out to be. And it is what it is. And it is. It's got some great moments, man, and it's got um, it's got a bit of heart too. It's got it's got a bit of heart to it, especially the relationship between the elder the elder guy and uh, the girl that he has taken into his home. Um, yeah, it's um, I'm I'm not surprised it's you know up on his list like this. It was on my list, and it was probably right about the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, very, very just, cool, you know. I mean. It's one I've 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 been kind of like putting off seeing it because I was always like you know can they really follow up the original and I was like I don't know but I think I'll definitely check it out I mean uh, just 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 saying you know that it knows what it is and it knows what it's doing you know I'm um, I'm I'm down for that you know. That's something that more movies need to do. More movies need to realize exactly what they are and exactly what they're trying to tell. You know, not everything can be Citizen Kane. And that's okay. You know, there's nothing saying that it has to be, you know, the end-all, be-all of movies. 
Yeah, I'll say this too before we move on. Um, you, you've seen the original, or the first one, right? Yeah. Have you? Do you ever recall reading the the terrible? I think it's the terrible old man by H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, you, I, you, I might have. I don't know. I don't know if I've read that you one. You need to because man, when I saw the first movie, Don't Breathe, I really thought to myself in the back of my mind. Did somebody read that story? Because there's a there's a lot in that story that just seems to be a carryover uh-huh. in, into that film. Not so much in the sequel. Um, yeah. The sequel pretty much kind of leaves that and becomes something a little bit different. But in the original film, I, I often thought about um, the terrible old man. Um, ba- basically, the setup in that story is just the kids decide to um, rob this old man's house. Mm. And the old man inside is not who they think <laughs> it is. Yeah, and it's Lovecraft, so you you figure. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, it's yeah interesting. Yeah, there probably was uh, at least uh, I'll say um, a connection there, if not a full out. You know, like I read this story, I thought it was good. I'll make my own version of it. You never know with these things. No, and I mean, you know, let's be honest. Like Lovecraft is such. A popular writer even to these even to this day that you know it's hard to believe that someone could be like a screenwriter and not have uh not have dabbled in lovecraft you know Alrighty. yeah so what's your number six uh, number six, and we don't have to take a lot of time on this one. Uh, Malignant. Oh, nice. James Wan. Um, want to know something funny? Malignant what's that? Is, Malignant is Will's number five. Really? Yep. <laughs> so, so is so, my. It was, <laughs> I guess we're going to get a little boost in time then. Probably needed. Um, yeah. I, I the only thing I say is one of those movies. Um. I, I have a really strong feeling that once I have a physical um, media release of this film, mm-hmm. um, I just have this really strong feeling that it is going to grow on me with time. I think so. It's one of those movies that, regardless of what you might or might not think first time through, it's one of those movies that once it settles on you a little bit, it's it's like you want to go back and revisit. You want to see it again. And... Um, I think it's, you know, it's nice, it's nice that James Wan got a break to just go have fun with something. Yeah. With all yeah. what he's doing right now. But I'll tell you what, it did, it, it did, it did make me really yearn for, in, in light of a movie we'll be talking about later, uh, James Wan, I really want him to return once he's done having fun with Aquaman to something much more hardcore horror yeah some you know much more serious you know i you know i don't i don't care if he has fun with it or not but i i want something that has a little bit more of that uh original conjuring feel yeah you know something um you know but i'm sure he's probably got another fast and furious movie and whatever else he's doing but hey he's working and he's he's having an impact on the genre has had an impact on the genre and I hope he continues. Oh, yeah, I I think James Wan is 
probably one of the most um what's the, what what's the word I'm looking for? Uh consistent horror directors. No what whenever he makes a movie in, in horror, you always know it's gonna be pretty good. It may not be, you know, the the greatest movie he's ever made, but you know it's gonna be a solid movie. You know, and uh I just kind of wish he'd step away from, like, you know, stay away from, like, Fast and the Furious, because I'm going to be completely honest, I think those movies are complete trash. You know, I have no interest in them whatsoever. Now, admitted, you know, they're they're just maybe not my thing, but honestly, his talent, I think, is wasted on yeah. something like Fast and the Furious, especially when you know what he can do in the horror genre. Yeah, you know, it's like I don't know. So, so you said you said you thought they were working on a sequel to this? That's what I've heard. I've is heard talks of a sequel. Or is it going to be in someone else's hands? I don't know. I I would ideally it would be James Wan, but you know, he he's got like a lot of other projects going on, so I don't know whether uh Malignant, like Malignant Two, would be high on the radar, you know. Um, I just hope that you know what I, I hope they don't call it Malignant Two. I hope they call it like Malignancy or something. <laughs> you know, I, I I just think that would be kind of cool, kind of like with Alien and Aliens. You know, just do something a bit different that way. Um, there was a movie I can't think of the a title of it, but there was a movie that. I don't know if there was two or three of them that came out, and it was sort of with each title was a play on the other title. It was just a sort of uh, yeah, it was like that. I just can't think. I can't remember what it freaking was, but there was something like yeah, I know what you're talking about. I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, um, was it uh, the collector? No, it, no, it was. There was a the collector, the collection, and then whatever this next one is being called. I don't know. <laughs> oh, so is that, is that, does that bring us to, that brings us to my number six. Okay. Uh, which is the conjuring three. Ooh. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a great movie. Is it the greatest Conjuring movie? No, that's part one. But, you know, it's the second best Conjuring movie. So, you know, it's one of those things like, yeah, you almost don't have to say any more than that, you know, except, you know, like they're uh, investigating a guy that committed murder and was could have been possessed. I dug the fact that it went more into how can I put this? I like that it steered away kind of from like the demon thing. Part one and two were all like, oh, it's like a, like demons are attacking. This is a demon. And, uh, you know, it was like, at least they brought in a witch. Yeah. It, it was, it was, yeah, it, it was the fact they brought in an antagonist. Yeah. 
that was the cause or motivation, the cause of what was, and yeah, we'll be talking about this again more, um, but um, for sure. I thought it was, it, you know, I, I'll just say this. I was really hesitant with this mm. movie simply because James Wan was not, I was so disappointed the first time I heard the news that he that he was not directing it. Yeah. And I thought to myself, great, this movie's going to freaking suck. And then when I heard who was directing, I thought, great, it's going to really freaking suck. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and so I really kind of built up this whole notion inside that, well, you know, there's always part one because, you know, as, mm. as part two has its moments mm. for sure. Um, but um, nothing as heavy hitting as the first one. No. And um, I, I would I would say, you know, and then seeing the, um, I really wish I would have seen. Well, did the Conjuring 3, did that make it into the theaters? I can't remember. Uh, it should have been in a theaters, but I just can't remember if COVID. Yeah, I can't remember. I mean, um, no, it was. I think it was. I think so. so. Whatever reason I didn't see in the theater, um, probably because I just assumed it was going to suck. Um, <laughs> and when I did finally see it, man, um, well, it, it, it's—I'll talk about it more later. It, It's—it's—it grew on me fast. Yeah. For reasons I'll say later, it really grew on me, and I—I—I I, I, I think it's—it serves as—and uh, and I agree with you. It's—it's—it's not—it's not as good as the first film. Rarely do you ever have sequels that surpass the first film ever. Yeah. It's I mean, few, really few and far between. Not any, not everyone can be James Cameron following up Ridley Scott. I mean, <laughs> very true. I would say Aliens is better than the original, but I mean, that was quite a freaking effort um, for a sequel. Oh yeah. Um, you can't take. I mean, that's freaking brilliant. Um, but it's I I, I you know I should always think to myself. You know, it's like, well, you know, it goes back to when I was a kid and I remember, you know, when I was living life, you know, through the pages of Fangoria, you know, and the, you know, when when news, you know, had initially broke that uh, George A. Romero was going to helm uh, Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. Oh, you know, yeah. My buddies, man, were just like, this is man, nothing is better than this. This is life is just freaking awesome right now and making mm-hmm. plans to see it in the theater and everything else. And then, you know, and then you find out that he wasn't directing it. Yeah. And the one who was directing it was a woman. And, but what made it bad, not that she was a woman, but what made it bad is the only thing that she, I think she was known for at the moment was the Madonna videos. Yeah. And so for a, 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 t- a teenage punk kid, I mean, I thought my world just ended. Yeah. And, you know, well, and it turns out Pet Cemetery is a freaking blast of a movie. She did a freaking awesome job. Yeah. With it. I don't know what George would have done. Um, I can only, you know, dream of what he would have done. But she yeah. did a freaking good freaking take on that story. Um, oh, yeah. And we'll see what Del Toro does if he ever, you know, is it, was it Del Toro that recently said he'd love to. He would love to do that. Yeah. And honestly, um, I, I would love to see it. I would do, especially after the abomination was like last year's. 
Pet Cemetery. And see, that's where Candyman gets it so right and something like that gets it so wrong. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know. And, but, 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 you know, anyways, um, well, I'll talk more about Conjuring. But I just, I really, um, yeah, it's one of those movies that, I, at least for me, quickly grew on me. And I loved how they're all over the place. I, lo- I love how it's, uh, like you said, it's, it, there's an antagonist outside of what we're used to. Yeah. And for me, at least personally, I want this, I want the Conjuring films, I at least want two, one or two more with these two. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, like I said before, I want to see the Conjuring version of Amityville. I know we got teased it in, in the second movie, but, you know, right. I'd like to see, you know, I mean, I know they'd have to add stuff to it and everything because, you know, they the Warrens' actual, you know, time there was like, I think they spent like a, a day and a half there and that was like kind of like it. But, you know, I would like to see them do something with that because that would be, that would be awesome. You know what? I, this is what I want to see. I want to see them. Well, now that the real Lorraine Warren's like dead and everything, I, I'd like to see movies with the characters of Ed, Ed and Lorraine Warren, not necessarily based on their true stories or whatever. Just you know, just like interesting little tales of. The Warrens. Yeah, I'm. I'm with. I'm with you. I. I would love. Because, and I think that's why the third part has grown on me so much because I think I quickly just came to the point where, and I guess don't take this the wrong way, but I don't care what happened in real life. Yeah. I loved what they did with this. I. I loved it. I don't care if the whole movie should have been in a courtroom. I don't care if parts of the story were completely, I mean, that's Hollywood filmmaking anyways. Most of everything we get is freaking made up anyways. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, just run with it. it you know? And I thought if to, that's the case, go all out. Yeah. And I thought to, to a good extent, I thought, you know, when I, when I, I guess when I really re- got myself into that new, place i think that's when i really started to fall in love with this movie yeah it's it's a good movie it really is you know like i said it 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 doesn't hold a candle to the original but you know it's very hard to recapture lightning in a bottle and that's what you got with the original you got like a perfect storm like the perfect actors and the right story the right atmosphere, everything in it just worked. And that's not easy to reproduce. But this has come pretty, pretty close. Well, I'm sure there'll be some overlap in these next five. <laughs> I'm very curious about one in particular for Will, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting to say the least. Okay. So, uh, since we did Will's number five, Malignant, uh, you want to go with your number five? All right. I hope I don't piss anyone off with this, but I think I have a pretty good reason. Okay. Number five. I'm so freaking glad you and Will both 
continually reminded me to watch this freaking movie. Mm-hmm. My number five, and maybe it should be a little higher, is Oxygen. Oh, nice. Um, Aja, man, in 21. And, and this is maybe a good theme throughout the whole show. In 21, you know, how nice is it, was it to get something from Romero, something old? You know, how nice is it, man, to be reminded that Aja is still growing as a filmmaker, getting better and better. Oh, definitely. A hundred percent. That movie, it, do, yeah. it, it had some really, really creepy elements. Um, you know, that, man, it just worked on you that are, that almost worked to terrifying degrees. I mean, well, okay, you know, if, if, just in case anyone hasn't seen this movie, basically this girl wakes up in this um, uh, cryogenic tube, and she doesn't know she doesn't know why she's in there. She doesn't even know who she is. She's got memory loss, and this system, this this cryogenic tube, tells her right off the bat that she's got what like thirty five percent oxygen left, and she's going to die. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but for the machine, she's nothing more than a bioform. Yeah, and so, it literally calls her like bioform forty seven or something like that. Yeah, and and so you know she's in a race against time to, on so many fronts, figure out who she is, mm-hmm. how she get in here, and how can she wrong with her? Yeah, what's wrong with her? Why is she even this in this tube? And then when you start to learn who she is, you know, it, it becomes, it's one of those where the story just becomes more, and, and, and this isn't the only movie that's tried this, but I think it's so freaking well written and executed, I almost want to say flawlessly, because it's, you're led to believe so many things about her life that aren't true. Yeah. And what ends up being true is left for, you know, that, that moment when things start to become really known. Yeah. Put this, puts this movie in a whole new different thing, I guess, or. Yeah. And. I was I was so I've I've become such a big fan of Aja. I, I love his high tension. Is so oh, yeah. I freaking love that movie. And to this day, best use of a severed head in the film. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for putting that image back in my head. Um, <laughs> um yeah, uh, you know, I mean, Aja. We were talking about we're, we talking about remakes. We're talking about you know revisiting other people's material and stuff. And look what he did for the Hills Have Eyes, man. He, oh yeah, he knocked it out of the freaking park. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned with that with that movie. Oh yeah, maybe so much with Piranha. I don't know. I, I really should probably revisit that. But the Hills Have Eyes, man. He it was a freaking fabulous job that he did. And I've loved, I know a lot of people don't, oh, I don't know a lot, but I mean, I know some people didn't like Crawl that way. I love Crawl. I thought so did Crawl I. I, it's a fun freaking movie. Exactly. 
I would love to see Aja go back to you know that splatter pack thing and oh, and do something awesome. crazy. But yeah. to see him grow and 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 to be able to pull off this contain, and it is horror, man. When this machine decides to euthanize her, yeah, that was freaking scary, man. Because I mean, you're thinking about you know I mean, it is 2021, man, and, and you know we're not far from these issues, these choices being taken away from us and being made by other people. Yeah. Or things. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I just thought, man, um, I thought it just, it was a nice reminder in this, in this year. And, and I don't know what took me so long to finally, I, I'm, and that's another thing I need to just freaking, I wish, why can't movies like this, have longer staying power on their platforms. I mean, I just happen to have Netflix, so this movie's been on Netflix, I think, all stinking year. Yeah. And that's freaking awesome. Yeah. I mean, because it gave me a chance, without having to pay for it, to finally get my butt into gear and freaking watch it. And mm-hmm. I should have time ago because it was Aja. Um, yeah. I think that just the plot synopsis and everything, I don't know. I just thought, I just don't know if I'm really in the mood. Um but I'll I say that I, I was the same with it when uh, when Will first told me about it. He's like, you know, well, you got to watch, you got to watch oxygen, you got to watch oxygen. I was like, yeah, okay, you know, I read this stuff, so I was like, uh, okay, okay. Eventually, I was like, okay, you know what? Damn it, I'm gonna watch it. And oh man, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this about without giving anything away. It, it's got one of those, and I guess that's why it's my number five. It's got one of those. When the when the reveal begins, and you mm-hmm. really start to get your mind wrapped around what's happening, it's one of those that I enjoy thinking about what lies beyond the scope of the film, yeah. Rather than revisiting the actual final minutes of the film, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I get it. Um, if, if they, were, I think this would be a fantastic movie to leap off of, say, a series on Netflix, and yeah. continue the story over. Not it doesn't have to be a TV series per se. Maybe it just can be like maybe a three, four parter, and yeah. just be continue the story on to I don't know to what end, but continue in in a way because I think it's a fascinating story because of especially of how much we you know we were um we were faced with through most of the film as she is painfully you know trying so hard to figure things out and not getting a whole lot of help from the machine although she ends up getting more help from the machine than you would have thought she would have got yeah that's which figures out the vernacular or, or how she figures out the right way to access information yeah, and when you really and when you and, and it all sort of makes sense when you realize exactly who she really is. Yeah, but again, that's turned on its head as well, isn't it? By the end. Yeah, it is. It's fun, man. Without even really, if you haven't seen it, and whoever's listening to this, if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. If you have Netflix, you really freaking got it. Not not just because it's Aja. It is a really well written, well executed film it is and 
Um, I wish I could say, I wish I could say out loud, there was a point in this movie, and I already told you, I think, I'm pretty sure I already told you, there was a point in this movie where I did start to think of another movie. Yep. And I thought, huh. And then, you know, as it, things would play out, it wasn't like dramatically that far off. But it, it keeps a lot of things cl- close enough to its, its own chest that it, it does make it hard to really, okay, so what, what is it going to be? Where are you taking me? Exactly. You know, and you it, don't know until, yeah. you know, there are times when you're, when you kind of figure it out, but then they'll bring something up, which kind of like makes you think like, oh, okay, so that wasn't the case. Yeah, and and I even you know? thought without really getting into it, I thought I thought, and I don't know. I guess I don't think red herring's the wrong, really probably the wrong terminology. Maybe I don't know. But how they how they utilized her husband, it, it planted yeah. the lots of thoughts in your mind. Is this yeah. the direction it's headed? Is this what is the conspiracy? Is there a conspiracy? It just it just it it made you think along the way. Thinking to itself, probably laughing to itself. <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah, I could and, totally see that. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and I mean, unless you've seen, you know, a, a few other movies that suddenly start to make you go, uh huh, could it? Yeah. I mean, that's about as far as you can go with it until it finally hits, and then when it does, it's sort of like, what? Yeah. And it's, yeah. I, the, I remember when I first saw it when when the. When that moment happened where you really figure out what's going on, I was like, I did not see that coming. I mean, I I thought it was something similar, but I didn't think it was yeah. going to be as grand in scale as it was. Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't know what it was about about the writing in the film, but, it, but even if you started to play with those, huh, I wonder... Something was always holding you back, going, no, it's going to be something a whole lot closer to home. And it, yeah, and it's, it's just well written. I, I thought it was. It is. It was, it's well just a, too. Yeah. It's just a, a superior bit of filmmaking. But this is Aja growing and maturing as a filmmaker, and I can't freaking cannot wait to see what he brings next. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one thing I remember when I when I first told you about it. I said, you can see how he's grown as a filmmaker. Yes. And one thing I also said, and um, I stand by this. Um, I know it's not going to happen, but if this doesn't at least get a nomination for an Academy Award. You know, you seriously have to look at the Academy and say, like, like, where are your brains? I think yeah, I it's that strong of a film. I can't remember the girl's name in there, but um, I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. And I, I mean, the fact of the matter is the entire movie takes place in literally like a, a two by six coffin, essentially. Yeah. And I, I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, that is, you know, that, that can't be easy for an actor. You know, there's only so much you can do in that confined space to, like, emote what's going on and everything. Yeah, I was just, um, I was just curious. I was just looking up the, uh, cinematographer. Mm-hmm. 
um, Maxime Alexandre, um, known for, um, well, worked with um, Aja and Crawl. Oh, uh, nice. Also shot uh, the Maniac remake. Oh. Uh, and also did, uh, that's funny, Shazam. Oh. Well, that's kind of like all over the board there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, look at this, The Nun. Oh. And Annabelle. Oh. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, which one is this? It's Annabelle Creation. Oh, okay. So, you know, that one was actually good. Uh, oh. You know, I mean, that's one thing, you know, say what you want about The Nun. It was a well-shot film. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, well, I don't care what anyone says. I I really have fun with that movie. and But I, I probably spend more time wishing, you know, certain um, nods would have been taken to their fuller extent, um, whether it was yeah. paying tri- to something Fulci, something Baba, something, you know, whatever. I wish it would have taken certain scenes and just really moved it forward to something quite terrifying. Yeah. And it always just kind of paid a quick little nod and just left people like, you know, us going, why didn't yeah. you just get that a few steps forward? It would have been awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, yeah. Oxygen, number five. Yeah. Really cool. My number five is Blood Red Sky. Nice. I, you know, that was on my list to watch and I never did. I'll I'll just say this. Um, watch it. Yeah. Basic plot is you got this uh, this woman who's taking her. Well, a, a kid walks into. Sounds like a bad joke. A kid walks into an airport, and he wants to get his ticket, like tickets for his like mother and everything. They're gonna fly to was it the states somewhere in the states, I think. Uh, or in London, or somewhere like that. I I can't remember where. From Germany to, like, I think it was in the States. And you're led to believe that she has cancer. You know, she's got, like, you know, wigs and everything. They get on the plane. The plane gets hijacked. Turns out, though, she is actually a vampire. And, you know, not like your Bram Stoker Dracula. I'm talking, like, bald-headed, like, you know, Nosferatu-style vampire. And, um, she gets shot by these, uh, uh, hijackers, if you will. And, uh, essentially she ends up having to go completely vamped out in order to save her kid. And it's just an awesome film. Just don't watch the English dub of it. Huh. It sounds like Bob. You know, it's funny. It reminds me of what I told you about. Uh, Nobody sleeps in the woods tonight. The first one, the dubbing is so freaking horrible. <laughs> It makes Bob look like a freaking genius, man. <laughs> but I'll say this. The sequel was a huge upgrade in the dubbing. That's good. I mean, That was like one of the biggest, most obvious 
points of difference between the first film and then the immediate sequel was you could tell there was a lot of care to make it into something much better as far as just, you know, piece of work. That's something I've noticed with a lot of foreign films, you know, the dubbing, you can either, it's almost like whoever's recording the dubbing, it's like, you'll have one like director will say, you know, like they'll try to make everything serious, make it fit with what they're, what like the words that they're saying and everything. And other ones who just, you know, almost like want to make it funny. And as a result, they just kind of make really bad dubs. You know, it, it is what it is. I'll stick with subtitles, though. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Um, Blood <laughs> Red Sky. I'm pretty sure that's Netflix. That That's Netflix, yeah. yeah. It's definitely worth watching. Um, and honestly, uh, it's got... How can I put it? Like... The ending, I won't go into any spoilers for the ending, but the ending fits with the story that you've been told. And it's still kind of like emotional and everything, and it works. It's just just a good movie. It really is. And uh, it's one, again, I, I kind of, you know went back and forth about pulling the trigger on watching it, and then when I eventually did, I'm like, why the hell didn't I watch this sooner? Yeah. I'll have to <laughs> check it out. I'm pretty sure it's Netflix. Yeah. It, it's it's really good. Okay, so now on to Will's number four, <laughs> which this this is very much a Will choice, and that is Night Stalker, Hunt for a Serial Killer. What? I haven't even heard of that. That is a a documentary on Netflix. Um, It's a pretty good little documentary, honestly, about, you know, the the hunt for the Night Stalker. And uh, if you're a true true crime fan, it's definitely worth watching. Uh, It's it's a it's one of those things, you know, some people aren't true crime fans. And I get that. You know, but there's something genuinely fascinating about these people that do these horrible things and then they can still be like, 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 like you had people like with Richard Ramirez, you know, they, they were like sending him like love letters and everything. He was like a rock star and he's on trial for like multiple murders. It It's, it's such a strange phenomenon. And uh, it's definitely a good documentary. So I definitely recommend it. All right. Well noted. Yeah. Okay. So what's your number four? Uh, boy, I don't know. This this sort of pains me, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, number number four It's probably a minor miracle that it's even that it's this high, but. Uh, it is the only film in my entire top ten that I actually was able to see in the theater. Okay. And very glad to see have seen it in the theater because I think that probably went a very long ways into at least um, allowing me to enjoy 
the better moments of it. Mm-hmm. So number number four from Gordon uh, Green, of course, Halloween Kills. <laughs> um, I you know I've said a lot about this. Interesting thing, the- just before just before you start, both me and Will have that as number three. Wow, it. You know, so we'll cover it all in this. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I was just uh, looking at one of my um, on Halloween four. Um, there's this guy, is an author, Justin Beam, um, who uh, who uh, does a commentary with Dwight H. Little. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on the horror movie podcast, and something he said on that podcast it's really helped me with eighteen and Halloween Kills, and I'm sure will. I hope continue to help me as we move into uh, what will essentially, I guess, be Halloween ends. Um, and he's and he made the point to say, like, you know, when you when we look at the grand the grand sculpturing of what is the Halloween franchise, mm. every director who has made his mark has brought some different or interesting approach mm. and has messed with you know or helped you know bring this sculpture to the point where it is you know whether we want to say you know initially or you know everyone dwight h little those you know the par five you know every director rob zombie um and now david gordon green every you know everyone brings their own sort of you know unique approach Mm. to this franchise and you know, eighteen in this one, and the third one will be no, will be no different. Um, this is, you know, I, I think the thing that I, I really did not appreciate um, the, the idea that it had to remind us of everything that we've seen on the TV screens for the last year oh, yeah. leading to release. Um, I thought it was, you know, I thought it, it was the worst. The worst. It showed the worst part of its writing. I think. Um, there's a lot to like in this one. I mm-hmm. I thought Michael um, was was I thought was one of the best Michaels I've ever seen. It helped seeing him on the big screen. Yeah. Um, I it's it, funny. I laugh. I laugh every time I I see every bit of carnage uh, that that uh, he lays. Thinking how much Rob Zombie has influenced these two films, even though everyone screamed and hollered that these two movies would be so different. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny how he's made his imprint. It's like, we can't escape, uh, the brutality that is Rob Zombie's imprint on these films. Um, for sure. Um, I, I also have a hard time, you know, when, you know, they make a big deal about, you know, this is no longer about a sibling robbery anymore. And yet it's all about them too. And I I have a hard time with that, with that concept. Um, but there's so much to like in this middle entry. And I really do believe that when we get to Halloween ends and this thing is all wrapped up as neatly or as roughly as it will be, I, I really do feel like, and it's one of the reasons why of the three, this will probably be the only one that is on 4k eventually on 4k in my collection, mm. because I just think it's going to look absolutely gorgeous. I think the the dark color palette used, um, uh, just uh, the br- brutality of some of the kill scenes. Um, I wasn't very high on um, um, 
what's his name? Uh, the 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 kid that the the young guy that played uh, grown up uh, Tommy. Um, oh crap. yeah. Oh. Crap. The heck. We grew up watching him in all his freaking team movies. Um, yeah. Um, crap. 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 Um, I'll find out. I can't remember his name. Um, he was probably the one character I might have disliked the most. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't into him as yeah, or I just I guess I didn't like. I don't know the whole mob mob mentality of it. I think was just so overdone, or maybe just not executed right. If that's what, because I mean, you know, it's not like how Reed didn't deal with the mob mentality before. I mean, it's yeah. They did before, and I think it, you know not to this grand extent, though. I mean, um, I, I just you know, it's the, I'm sure most of everyone in the world has seen this movie, but um, I guess we want to try to not go you know too spoiler on it. But I mean, you know, there's there's a certain you know aspect of the mob mentality that leads to uh, an unfortunate death of of a of one of the inmates that had escaped the bus from the first film. Yep. And don't get me wrong. It's a pretty epic death scene. It, yeah. It's, it's just brutal. I don't know if the, if the carnage of the end of that scene matches with the emotion we were supposed to have. I think, I, I think it would have been better had, let's, let's put it this way. I think it would have been better had, Michael been the cause of the way he died. Yeah, I mean, you, you know what? Screw it. Let, let's let's just cover it. The guy falls off a building and splatters on the floor. Um, <laughs> had it been that it wasn't the the mob that was chasing him, but it was Michael. I think that would have had more impact. The mob just kind of it kind of goes back to what we said like about Candyman. It's beating you over the head with something that, you know, you know, you should be using a feather and you're using a hammer instead, you know? Yeah, and it's I don't know. It's I don't know. It is, yeah. I, you know, I, I'll say, I'll say this for sure. This, the the strength, the strength of this film, as well as eighteen, I think, is John's revisiting the score, reworking the score. I think is freaking oh, yeah. out, freaking world. In, in fact, uh, you know, in, in the, uh, I will say this too. The one thing I did actually find myself enjoying that I did not think I would enjoy in this movie was the advancement of the character of. Um, of um, uh, what's her name's boyfriend from who uh, we last saw in 18 throw the oh. throw her to the I can't remember his name um, but I thought when we pick up with him and he's the one that find um, uh, Will Patton's uh, character um, injured yeah. I thought I actually I, I really hated his character in 18 but I found myself actually liking his character more in this movie so so did I. I mean, he became a much more it, in 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 eighteen. He was very much like your typical jerk boyfriend. Where in 
in uh, in kills, he definitely becomes more of an actual character. Yeah. You know? He, he's not your stereotypical just, you know, jackass yeah. like like that's he was like, in 18. Yeah. And, and I thought Charles Cyphers was a huge disappointment to me. Um, I, I was excited when I knew his character was going to be worked into this film. I, I was excited. I thought he could have. I thought he could have been been written in from a totally different angle. Um, had maybe more of a, maybe had more of a, an impact on just the story. Yeah. Of just being, you know, a washed up retired. You know, I'm just head of security at the at the hospital. I just, it, you know, I don't know. I just it, there were certain like. I wanted sure. him to have essentially like a Loomis type role. Something. I, something. I, I wanted him to be like a guy that was like, you know, I wanted him to be hunting Michael. Just him. Th- think of this, you know, in um, the Loomis from uh, from. Uh, well, you could have done the Loomis from either four or five, a mixture of Loomis from four and five. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know what? You know, um. Jason goes to hell. You know, uh, Creighton Duke, the bounty hunter character. Yeah. I would have had him almost kind of like that, you know, where like he wouldn't, he'd be like, I don't want any help or whatever. This is personal. I'm going after him and make it like essentially like a vendetta of him against like following Michael and Michael, you know, doesn't even know he's there. doesn't care. Um, yeah, the, that's you know, what I was hoping for personally, but you know, the score uh, out of this world. I also thought, and this is another, you know, one of the things that I absolutely freaking, I, I really, really, really appreciate about this movie is, and I think all of us would agree, the flashbacks are freaking amazing. They're done very well, and Maybe, honestly, I've, 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 I've gained a lot more respect for it since I've learned that the Loomis character in the flashbacks is all done with makeup. Yeah, it is an amazing, um, I wish you could have got more of it. I wish we could have gotten a little bit more. I don't know in the extended cut of the film that's coming out on on physical media, what, if it will add to the flashback scenes at all. I kind of hope so. I really, I really dug, um, those scenes. So, and I'm really looking forward to revisiting this movie for the flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, the score, I was going to say uh, in 18, I thought where John made his best mark was when, um, when that, the idiot kid who thought he was going to uh, get, yeah, ends up uh, impaled on the fence. And yeah. when, uh, what's her name shows up and, uh, and she sees him, but then she sees Michael and then that score kicks in. Yeah. He, you know, John is, you know, for all the pissing and moaning he did about, you know, whatever happened between him and Robin and those movies and anything, I'll say he, he, he was, he has been unleashed as far as a creative force in terms of the score. Yeah. It's really been fun to revisit and see. I wish the movie was as polished and mature as his score is. Yeah. But I, you know, and, and, you know, those creative choices, I mean, you know, uh, I guess we shouldn't stay here forever, but I mean, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, the, the loss, perhaps the loss sequence 
in the 18 film that could have made a huge impact on all of this with Lori, apparently Lori having herself driven the bus off the road, unleashing Michael on the town. It would have been perfect. It would have been, it would have, and it really would have added not just more to her own character. And it would have added, you know what? It would have added the, the missing ingredient. If in the end you're going to have Michael and her tangle about, but they're not, brother and sister well then this is your perfect vehicle to get you there yeah and it's like the perfect she let him out yeah and perfect vehicle where you finally get to the point where her and will Patton um are next to each other in that room sharing sob stories how mm-hmm. awesome would have been freaking would have been if you know you know whomever would have gone first you know whether it's you know uh, you know, him, maybe him, you know, he he leads off with, this is all my fault, all my fault. You know, you go back again to the flashback and, you know, the role he played in that. But then she looks at him and says, um, actually, none of us would be in this mess if I wasn't the one who ran the bus off the freaking road. How yeah. awesome would that have been? And it would, have freaking, it would have taken her character as already messed up as it was and legitimized it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean... That's Instead, something I, I always thought with with uh, eighteen, you know, she, yeah, she's living like as like a a doomsday prepper essentially. But I didn't see that as like why the government would like come and take her kid away. But if you right. have in it that you know she literally drove the bus off and thing, there it would be it would be like there's definitely more to how crazy she is than just being like a prepper. And yeah. And, you if, know? and, if, and if that scene got cut out mm. because of a, of a bad screening, I'm telling yeah. you what, and I'm telling you what it, 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 a director should not sacrifice his, his vision at the throne of a few freaking numbskulls who walk out with a piece of freaking paper scribbling on it saying, you know, screw off because that taking that scene out, if not restored, probably ruined, really could have made for an interesting. Um, Oh yeah. You could have done, you could have done some similar things with Jamie, um, Jamie's character that you know we saw let's say with lewis's character in five one of the reasons why some people don't like five i love five you know mm-hmm. because his character is so you know bent out of control i mean and rightfully so i mean you know he's still haunted by this menace and he can't seem to freaking deal with she's yep. haunted by this menace she can't seem to deal with and you freaking make it worse by caught being her she's the cause of it yeah and and now and if you even jack it up make it worse and basically, he does. He, as a result, becomes Haddonfield's boogeyman because of her. It, yeah. it, it, it just raises the stakes to a whole new de- degree. Yeah. And it helps with the, you know, with just with everything. And I, you know, I mean, I don't know, but, you know, I, I it's the only one on my list I got to see in the theater. I'm glad I saw it. I will always, as much as as much as I, you know, love to, to to get my feelings out on this on these two movies and probably the third. Um, 
it's still Halloween. It's still one of the greatest franchises ever to see Michael Myers uh, and, and to see freaking uh, uh, what's his name, uh, at least in a limited way, reprise his role as the shape. Um, yeah. To hear John's score continually evolve and, and, and become that much better. Uh, but to see, you know, the shape, grace, the big screen. I mean, you, you know. You can't, and you have to, you have to, and it's been so hard for me because, I mean, I'm griped to no end about the things I don't like about it, but you got to be willing to push some of the stuff off and embrace what is so great about it, and that is how awesome in 21 we got to see freaking Halloween on the big screen again. Yeah. And and as much as I might not like how they wrap things up in, with the third, maybe I will, I don't know, who knows until we get there, but I mean, it'll be one maybe one last chance we get to see Michael Myers on the big freaking screen again. And it's more than we can say about, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th, which we're waiting forever. I don't know if we'll ever see those characters on the big screen again, but we've got Michael right now. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's not in my top three. It, I had a hard time even wedging it up, but for all the reasons that I've said, it's, it's, you know, I think, uh, in 21, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we still have Halloween kicking around, even even with the things that might, you know, cause a stress. Yeah. Me- <laughs> <laughs> Definitely true. It's it's you know it's Halloween. It is. It's Halloween. When all's said and done, it's Halloween. And you you you, you know Let's be honest, if you're like uh, a horror fan and you don't uh, at least have a respect for Halloween, um, you're not a real horror fan. Just saying. Yeah, it's for, you know, for that reason I said earlier, you got to respect and it's hard to respect everyone. And everyone has everyone has had their share of failings with this franchise for some better reasons than others but everyone everyone comes to it from their own perspective their own wanting to leave their own imprint mm-hmm. and, and and everything that happens to go bad isn't necessarily the filmmaker's fault yeah some or a lot maybe but there are things that happen because of studio interference and everything else it just happens life happens it just things aren't always this Nothing about this, or or if we ever get another Nightmare on Elm Street, or if we ever get a Friday Thirteenth, nothing is ever going to live up to our perfect expectation of what it should be, and no. we just realize that and and have fun, you know, tearing the crap out of it. But hopefully, at the same time, saying, you know what, boy, this part of it kicked freaking ass, and there were parts in this movie that, I, I mean, I sat there and thought to myself more than once, did I, I, I grinned watching this. And I thought that was pretty freaking cool. <laughs> that was pretty freaking cool. You know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for somebody when this will be after Halloween ends comes out. I'm waiting for somebody to edit them all together in such a way to make like almost like the ultimate cut of it. And, you know, maybe get rid of some of the problem parts because i'm sure it'll happen 
you know, just saying. Well, <laughs> you, you already got kind of a cut like this, don't you? Uh, I got a cut of um one and two, one and two, and uh, four, five, and six. Now they're, they're, this... they're just essentially all cut together into one big movie. Well, right. both, you know, is, um, is six the producer's cut or just the theatrical? It's everything. Wow. It's theatrical and producer's cut. Everything kind of thrown in. It's it's interesting to say the least. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I, 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 you know, if we leave it off at any note, I was just thinking about uh, the producer's cut. I love it at the beginning when Loomis is there at his office in his office or whatever, and the radio station's on, and the and the guy said something about didn't that crackpot Loomis die or something? And I love it, man, when Loomis is like, oh, he ain't dead yet. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's great. This franchise isn't dead yet. It's still kicking, thankfully. Oh, yeah. Uh, for my number four, I have an, a bit of an interesting choice, and that's the Fear Street trilogy. I was wondering if this was ever going to pop up. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the trilogy. Um, I guess a basic plot, just of everything. Um, it's based on the R.L. Stein, like, Fear Street books and the idea is like in this particular you got this town essentially there are like i don't know whether they're two towns or two sides of the town it never you know and essentially one part has a lot of bad stuff that happens there there's murders there's all sorts of stuff and the other side is pretty much fine and uh the first movie follows um, essentially. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how much of this. To, th- there's like a tale of like a witch who like curses people and they like go crazy and just start killing people. Um, the first part is that happening in 1994. The second part is the is that taking place in 1974, and the third part is that taking place in 1884. Whoa! Yeah, and the th- what's really kind of cool about it is all of the actors are the same. All of the, you know, they're all the same actors, but they're all playing different roles depending on the movie. So it's kind of cool that way, you know. So you see the same actor playing someone who gets, like, killed in 1974, you know, as, like, playing a different character in 1994. It, it's quite an interesting, you know, turn of events. There's a full overarching story through all three movies, but each movie is, in and of itself, a self-contained flick. You know, so... If you watch 1974, you see some scenes at the beginning and at the end referring to what's happened before. But other than those two scenes, everything else is a self-contained story. So huh. you could watch just the second the second part. Just, just watch on, you know, and yeah, there'd be a couple of scenes you'd be like, okay, I don't get who these people are, but, uh, you know... You don't need to, really. 
and uh, it's just it would it's a it's been, it's a really well put together trilogy that just I I want to see more done with it. I want to see more of this like this world that they've built. And you know it's on Netflix, and uh, watch it. That's all I can you know, really say. Um, lining up, trying to figure out what to watch, what do I don't watch. I'm t- I have I must have, I must have looked at those uh, uh, those thumb images, or whatever, a million times. Now I don't watch them. Then I realized there was two. There was a third part. And I was like, uh... yeah. Honestly, essentially what you got is, like, the 1994 one is essentially, like, a modern slasher film. So think Scream. 1974 is, you know, think Friday the 13th. Literally, it takes place at a camp and everything. And uh, 1884, think The Witch. Wow. And honestly, it's pretty good all around. I mean... I, I dug it. I thought it was a, a great little, uh, a great way to go about it, you know, just doing like the three movies and, you know, having them come out on Netflix, like, you know, through, like throughout the month of uh, whenever it came out. I can't remember. I think it was July or something like that. Definitely a, a fun time. I definitely recommend it. It, it, it lands at number four. For me, simply because you know it is a trilogy. Um, had it just been one movie, maybe it might have been a bit higher on the list. But you know, it's a lot to it's a lot to go through. You know, having to watch three movies. But you know, let's put it this way: I watched it over uh, three days. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Wow. I have to definitely on my, now that there's no stress or pressure to just watch to watch, I have to check them out. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. For sure. Very very cool. (laughs) So now we are down to number two. Well, I had a Oh yeah, you have a number three, don't you? Um, nope. Hmm. Uh, um. Well, I, I, I guess I have. I, I guess I, this is. I wasn't when I first realized I was going to do this to you guys. I'm going to tell you this was the last movie I thought would be mm-hmm. would a be on the list or be this high on the list. Mm-hmm. When it when I, I suddenly was reminded by it, and I revisited actually revisited it today. I was reminded by so many things, and I thought, you know, this movie's really just, it, it's, it, it, I'm astonished, not just how good the first one was, but this being the sequel, A mm-hmm. Quiet Place Part 2. Oh, nice. Um, I, I haven't seen it yet. It is, when you, when you think about, um, when you think about, um, what's his name there, John Krasinski. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, I I came to just, I mean, absolutely just love his character on The Office. Mm-hmm. And to think, you know, that you know, watching him in all those episodes or whatever, and to think that there was a filmmaker there, 
Yeah. And, you know, to, to see what he um, has pulled off with his work on The Quiet Place and then as in, uh, in directing the sequel, which is so funny because he said in, in initially after the first film, there was no sequel. He, you know, and of course, the first one was so successful. It was just sort of like, well, I mean, there's got to be a sequel. And mm. and I loved it. His initial response was, eh, no. But then I guess the more he thought about it, the more he started to realize where the story, you know, with the family could go. Mm-hmm. So now you've seen, you've seen the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I saw that in the theater and that was an experience to see in the theater just because, you know, everyone was pitch, forced to be pitch quiet the whole time. And that was, that was <laughs> refreshing in its own way. But, um, the second one, I'll just, I'll just kind of, you know, lay out the beginnings of it. The The second one sort of, uh, it takes you back to right before, right before the storm unleashes itself. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is almost seemingly the perfect, um, opening there, you know, the they're at the baseball game, the kids in the little league or whatever. And so it's just, you know, you could tell this is a community. It's a pretty, pretty tight knit community. And right in the, and then, and Cillian, is it Cillian Murphy? I think so. Scarecrow. Um, I think so. Yeah. He's in this movie. He, he plays, uh, he, he's sort of like, um, he fills in for the void of um, Krasinski's character, who, of course, died in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he kind of plays that fill-in role, um, and was, so they're there at the, you know, right, you know, in the middle of this baseball game. There's, you know, like that giant meteor is coming down in the sky, and of course, <clears throat> in you know, just immediately, every it grabs everyone's attention and. Everyone starts to okay. Um, this is not normal, not good. Everyone just needs to stop and head home. Mm. And they don't get as far, you know, from the baseball field to in the car in the street when all hell starts breaking loose. And <laughs> these creatures are just go- and just havoc. And to see that, to see that, even as as utilized as a setup for the rest of the film. Is so it it, it it gives you just enough, but not too much, mm-hmm. and it kind of gives you an idea that these things just fell from the sky and and just unleashed themselves, and uh, and then of course you know you you really then very quickly pick up to slightly after the first film with you know the mom and the two kids mm. just trying to make their way in this world. And eventually they find themselves uh, in, in the home of Cillian Murphy's character. And uh, he, it's funny, he initially doesn't want to take him in. Mm-hmm. And even though, uh, of course, he's got traps laid out all over the freaking place for these freaking creatures. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the boy um, steps in one. And it's a bear trap. Oh. And so he barely can, he barely can walk. And even with that being said, Cillian uh, Murphy's character is just like, uh, you, you've got to be gone in the morning. I can't risk having you here because <laughs> I'm just, uh, all I care about is me, myself, and I right now. Mm. And that character begins like that, but that's not where we end with him, which is a really fun – to see him as an actor 
I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I've loved pretty much everything I've seen him in. Mm. And he plays such a different role in this movie. And where his character really gets engaged is the daughter um, who wants to be like dad takes it upon herself to to go on her own to seek out the source of this radio transmission. She believes and of course, it's you know this is the warning. Don't always assume just because it comes across the radio and it seems like it's a good thing that it's a good thing. <laughs> but she takes it upon herself to take the the, the 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 brunt of the family on her shoulders and to go out. And when mom realizes in the morning that she has gone, she begs uh, Cillian Murphy's character to basically step up, be the man he ought to be. And the friend that he was to her husband, mm. and go after her daughter, and then that you know begins you know the real you know launch into the what ends up being the rest of the film that lays out. And I just thought you know they did such a good job with you know continued to develop these characters, especially the the young girl and her relationship with Cillian Murphy's character. Um, it, it just I just thought you know it, it is a well crafted movie but again we've seen so many movies like this we've seen you know where things break out and they're having to deal with an end of the world scenario and but it's nice when you can see a movie even though if you're revisiting things we've seen before it's nice when we can see it with characters so well written yeah and they're so fun to watch and not everything of course plays out in a similar fashion that we've seen before Thankfully, or else it wouldn't be an engaging film. Wouldn't it be, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and uh, and I don't know. I I thought I, I I really, and it does. And I know we've said it before. We said it earlier in you know in the show. I mean, you know, a lot of times we don't want to be reminded by films of our predicament, especially at this moment and yeah. all that we're having to deal with. But in this case, it's interesting because it, it you know just by the very premise. <clears throat> movie it does remind us that this is a new world we live in and it's a world that we have to navigate and the only way we're going to do it successfully is with each other and not against each other yeah and i find that compelling you know when a story strives to you know you know go after the positives you know and what we ought to be stretching for rather than against um and you know and it's funny i think sometimes you know it's like and I, I I thought about this with uh, with um, was that World War Z? They you know never went any further than they did with the first movie. Yeah. Um, but that had sort of a weird Day of the Triffids feel. Yeah, that's true. And this one does too in a weird way. It's just it, it's kind of like you know when I watch a movie like The Quiet Place or I watch a movie like World War Z, I sometimes wonder this is what a a a revisiting of Day of the Triffids could be. Yeah. Could be a freaking fun freaking movie. Uh, and I don't know if John, you know this, but John Carpenter has said before that of all the movies he would love to remake, that was one he would love to remake. Oh, that would be cool. It, you know, and probably not going to see it, but, um, so, you know, and, you know, it's funny when you see people like Krasinski, you know, these people that we, we get accustomed to and, you know, something like the office and then they, they, they become this incredible, it's like uh Peter Berg. You remember he was the boyfriend in shocker. Oh yeah. Yeah. He became a filmmaker and he made that movie. I don't know if you ever saw it. Uh, Lone survivor. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. With Mark Wahlberg? Yeah. Absolutely incredible military um, film. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was, he was, you know, who knew when he was, you know, that, you know, the boyfriend in Shocker that he was an aspiring filmmaker himself. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's neat when you see these, you know, see these things happen. So, you know, so it was, it was kind of a surprise to me, but I, I, I kind of, I really got a kick out of rewatching it. And I definitely, as you have said to me, you need to uh, check it out at some point. Yeah. I, 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 I'm gonna, I'll pick it up at some point. You know, I know they have that two pack on Blu-ray with uh, part one and two. So, you know, could be good. <laughs> okay. We're down to number two. Number two for Will is broadcast signal intrusion. I haven't seen this movie. So all I can do is read the IMDB. It says, uh, in the late 1990s, a video archivist unearths a series of sinister pirate broadcasts and becomes obsessed with uncovering the conspiracy behind them. Um, okay. <clears throat> I, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I was, uh, was going to watch it, but uh, at his suggestion, but when I realized I had, I had to pay, pay to see it. Yeah, because I, kind of, eh, I, I, I knew I was gonna, uh, I was gonna pay out to see or revisit another movie, and and then I paid out to see revisit a movie today, and I was like, yeah, I'm tired of having to pay for these movies yeah. that I can't keep. Hence my love for physical media. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, man, I wish we could know his thoughts on it on it because it's uh, it's a I I wasn't familiar with that title. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hold on. I have a bit of a better. Uh, synopsis here from Wikipedia of all places set during 1999 James is archiving videotapes for a Chicago television <clears throat> television station when he discovers that one contains a broadcast signal intrusion BSI where a disguised person acts strangely the video is difficult to hear clearly but this intrigues James he chooses to investigate reports of a similar BSI that occurred during an episode of a sci-fi TV show, only to discover that the FCC took all of the station's copies. As he continues to search, James uncovers a possible conspiracy that it link that is linked to the disappearance of several women, including his wife Hannah. Hmm. Sounds very interesting. Yeah, it it could definitely be. Uh, that could be a good one, honestly. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> we'll we'll have to see that. Um, but I'm intrigued for, what number one is. <laughs> yeah. For so for any listeners, um, signal broadcasting in, intrusion um, will definitely recommends it. So there nice. we go. What's your number two? Number two. We don't have to spend a lot of time um, on this, but uh, my number two is the Conjuring Three. Nice. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking a little bit, you know, the, the one thing I really, and it goes to something you said too, you know, earlier is this idea of, aren't we, isn't it time to maybe continue this thing with this, with, with uh, Ed and Lorraine, but 
move it away from you know something that has some grounding and maybe some sort of reality we're not sure what really was real or not real about it yeah but push it off and let their characters really have fun with something that we don't have to worry about arguing well that's not real that didn't happen or this is you know we don't know what really outside of maybe what took place inside a courtroom so much of this stuff we don't know anyways no right so it's all subject a lot of it is subjective i mean i I have no problem believing for two seconds that somebody uh, a family or whatever dealt with something even within a supernatural arena something so horrifying that it caused them to either do something horrifying or maybe just you know flee their home hence uh you know amityville horror something we i think we both would love to see oh yeah Uh, right and um but i'm just gonna throw this out there i don't think i have fallen in love with a couple and their relationship as it's been woven over this first three films and you know and the little bits and pieces they've been in the rest of the conjuring universe um, as much as I had fallen years, 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 years ago, fallen in love with um, both Mulder and Scully from the X Files, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, you know, and I just their chemistry um, that they uh, that they bounce off one another. I think, yeah, you know, you know, both Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes, yeah, I think, you know, the writing might be a little weak here and there, and sometimes it's not as good as maybe it could be. And then other times it's so freaking good. The moments they share is so convincing. Um, and, and I love it when these movies, for the sake of their characters, their relationship, at least, you know, as characters in this scripted world, mm-hmm. I love it when the movie doesn't care that it'll stop for a few minutes and enjoy that relationship, you know? So like usually get it at the end of the movie, like wasn't it at the end of the second one where they were dancing to uh, having a dance to Elvis song or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then of course, you know, on the end of the third one, he, he, he builds, you know, the replica of the, um, uh, the uh, thing that they had, um, had their first real intimate moment in. Um, before I guess when they realized they were going to be spending the rest of their life together, um, I just love the relationship. I just love their chemistry on screen. Um, I love it when you know, like in this third one, I love like we said before. I love just the fact that they're all over the map in this. Uh, that you got them antagonist, and not just the antagonist, but we didn't say this earlier. The fact that you've got a father of this this witch, this this satanist mm-hmm. who has fallen into the very occult that he was trying from from a pastor point of view trying to not just rid the world of but trying to understand himself into you know unfortunately he he spent too much time and lost his daughter to it yeah but then went to all length to protect her even though he knew what she was doing Mm-hmm. and I guess maybe I said too much already I don't even think about where I'm going with it but I just I thought this movie had more going for it than just the whole 
well, you know what, you know, it's mostly a courtroom drama, and we get that for five minutes, and then it becomes everything that, you know, and that's not, the point, it becomes a pretty intriguing, fun movie, especially if you love those two characters. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, and I love how, you know, and I've mentioned this before to you, you know, I love how, you know, and we don't have to have this in every movie, and we've said before, you know, both of us, I think, would love it if, if, we saw one of these, especially one of these movies, just ending a really dire note, sour note. Oh, definitely. But it is nice, too, and refreshing in a world where, you know, that we live in, that we do have this this seemingly very obvious, um, compelling war of good versus evil. And yeah. these movies have no problem saying, you know, which is which. And... And it makes it fun. And yeah, you know, for the most part, at least within the scope of these films, the good is going to win out. But there's usually a price paid along the way as well. Yeah. And, you know, and even in the third one with his heart condition, as a result of, I thought the opening exorcism scene, man, even revisiting it. And it's, you know, I just got this on 4K and it looks absolutely beautiful. Um, But just seeing that exorcist scene at the beginning, man, and how... Nutty that gets, man. Um, you know, and then just seeing the rest of the film play play out, and uh, you know, and, you know, some people might want to say, well, you know, scenes like the very end, you know, get a little cheesy or whatever. I don't think so, not for me, because for me, those two characters work and they're compelling, and I want to see more from them. I want to continue this ride at least for a couple more movies. I'm not, t- I'm not tired of it. I'm not done with it, and I think it would be really fun, like you said. I think it'd be really fun if we could get something. That was just had fun with them. Yeah. Maybe a really dark, compelling, really supernatural story. Something just that's really, really dark, but, but fun to, to just have fun with. Um, and I just, you know, I think Patrick Wilson's freaking, I don't know, I really enjoy watching him. Yeah. You know what yeah. I would like to see? I just thought what, what could, what could really work would be, um, you know James Wan's movie, um, uh, Dead Silence. Mm. <clears throat> Do a remake of that, but with uh, with the Conjuring people. Huh. I could I could see that work, and it would be a way to finally get like the version of that that you know we've always heard about. You know. Yeah, it could, it could definitely work. <laughs> so you know, I don't. I I really, I I really get a kick out of these two, and these three films specifically. And I do get a kick out of the Nun. I wish the Nun could have been more, but you know, yeah, you know, I mean, she, uh, she really got it rolling well with the first one, and I wish I wish the third one was as good as the first one. You know, yeah. but I think it's too far from the first one i do i do i do think it's i do think it's a more compelling story than the second one yeah um you know so for me it'd be like one three two but three is right behind one well i won't say right behind but you know it's 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 it 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 tries to be pretty compelling i i think there are scenes with the witch man or satanist whatever she was exactly i thought were pretty freaking creepy yeah. She was freaking evil, man. Yeah. And uh, I love that. I, I just, 
I'd love to, especially when her and uh, Lorraine face off for the first time. It's such a great oh, moment yeah. in the in the movie. It is. It is. It is. It is. It is fun. So maybe maybe higher than it should be on my list, but it is what it is, as you like to say. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, interesting. Uh, for my number two, oxygen. Nice. And I mean, we've pretty much covered everything that we have to say about it. It's it's a great movie, and honestly, more people need to talk about it. Yeah. And I I've done a lot, man. I've done everyone and everyone I know. I've I've watch it. Never oh, even yeah. watch it. Exactly. And I mean, I think the thing is when you read the description on Netflix, it just makes it sound kind of like, well, it's, you know, nothing super special, but it it kind of is, you know. I don't know. It, it's just really good. So Agreed. we're down to number one. Uh, mine oh. and Will's are the same. And uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of guessing yours might be as well. I'm going to, we're going with the, the deep house. Nice. All three of us. Who freaking knew? Uh, th- that's the first. I, I had suspicion you were, but I had no idea what Will was. I knew he had finally, you told me he finally saw it, but I, I had no idea what he thought of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Number one for Will as well. So we are, <laughs> this is, I think, a first where we everyone. We freaking sync. That is freaking, so did he, do, do you know, I mean, what he thought about it or? I, I just know he really liked it. Um, he, one thing he did mention was you remember when you when you brought up about that scene with the cross, yeah, you know, um, I I told him about that and he's kind of like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I guess we should probably tell people what it's about first. Um, essentially, you got um, two. I don't. It never really says if they're like YouTubers or. They're he, influencers he of some sort. He's he's a YouTuber. I think she's along for the ride, and he's hoping she'll be more than that. Yeah. Um, essentially, they they go they visit like uh, like you know like they're like urban explorers and stuff like that. You know they visit like dilapidated houses and stuff, and they hear about this town over in uh, is it France. It's France, yeah, because it's a French movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where essentially there's an entire town flooded. They flooded it to make like a, I don't know if it was a reservoir or just a lake or whatever. So they want to go look at it. When they get there, they end up talking with some guy. And he says, like, you know, uh, there's not really anything down there, but I, I know a place that has, like, a house, a completely fine house underwater. So they go. They go down in their scuba gear. They find the house. They start going through it. And you can tell right from the beginning something's not right. You know, and I mean, the fact that, you know, this house is like perfectly preserved underwater. It's it's kind of, you know, it's kind of eerie. 
may they find some strange things to say the least and uh it almost becomes i don't want to say a siege movie what's the word i'm looking for like a movie where like people it's are stuck yeah it's it's like a contained movie they can't get out of this house now and they're underwater with their tanks or whatever and there's haunting type stuff going on and it's just a badass movie and everything yeah. everything works we should mention too the directors um uh, Alexandre Bastillo, Julian Moray, if that's how you say it. Um, we know them, of course, from uh, among, among the Living, Inside, uh, to a lesser degree, I guess, Leatherface. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is the French duo that, um, of course, really uh, knocked it out of the park, I think, probably with Inside. But also, I think the one I love is uh, Among the Living. I thought it was just... Mm. Uh, these two know how to shoot a beautiful looking film. Um, yeah. And even with all of its flaws um, and setbacks, Leatherface is a beautiful shot film. Definitely. Um, the, the, the countryside, you know, how they're able to capture just sunlight coming through the rafters of a, of a build, I mean, of a barn or whatever. I mean, just how it, it is amazing. Um, what these two have done, and this is and this is such an ambitious thing to to <clears throat> say we're just going to, you know, contain our entire film not just in a house but in a house that is submerged and it has been um, purposefully. I guess we won't go too far into it, but mm. uh, put underwater because of uh, something nasty uh, that was exposed. And mm-hmm. rightfully, wrongfully dealt with in a very brutal way, um, and uh, you know, and so you know, we find out you know after the fact that they were definitely, probably, intentionally led to that spot for um, you know not so well intentioned <laughs> or, or you know pure motivations, or whatever. Yep. Um. You know, and I, I, you know, with all the criticism that came, you know, by way of Leatherface, it was nice to see these two get back on it with such an ambitious project to do something so yeah. freaking, you know, awesome. And, uh, you know, and uh, a little trivia. I don't know. Uh, the main uh, the main guy there who plays Ben. Mm hmm. Uh, his name is James Jagger. That okay. is the son, that is the son of Mick Jagger. Oh damn! Yeah, it's pretty freaking. And he kind of looks like Mick Jagger when you really think about it. Um, <laughs> I love the chemistry of those two. Um, I love how she just like, I, you know, he wants there to be more, and she's just sort of not sure, and. She, I, lo- I just love their chemistry. How she just like doesn't isn't sure if she should even fully trust him. Yeah. Where, where is you know? And I love it how initially she thinks she gets lulled into thinking that well they're just going to get to play tourists near the yeah waterside, and, and of course all that turns you know um, with you know that guy's you know who sort of you know it's a 
it's an opportunity uh, for him. Um, mm-hmm. But I love the um, not getting too much into it. I mean, I love the backdrop or the you know I love how we. I, I kind of thought maybe we got too much of the backdrop, but I don't know. I I, did, I, I love that. You know, there's almost something Lovecraftian involved here at work too. I definitely see that. I mean, uh, I I think Lovecraft had a very strong influence on this. Uh, I and I feel it was intentional. Well, we you have know, that scene. Um, something about oh, I always forget it. I should know this because I read Lovecraft all the time. An eternal lie that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. There's yeah, it, 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 but we we're not. I guess the thing that was missing from, for me at least, the stuff that was missing from the backdrop was stuff that maybe could have expanded on a Lovecraftian um myth, I guess, so to speak. Maybe what were they doing exactly? We're never really told. And I mean, I guess I should be a little bit more vague here. When when you get that point in the film where they start to reveal to you as a viewer what has led, uh, you know, kind of up to that point. Um, when you when you get to that point in the film, I almost wish that as they were revealing it, they would have revealed something that would have maybe made a stronger connection to something Lovecraftian. Mm-hmm. Um, something that we would have sat there and go, Oh, this is sort of like the Dunwich Horror. Yeah, that would you have know, worked so this, well. You know, these these this this was a family that potentially uh, the owners of this home, prior owner or you know current owners of the home, <laughs> were, were were you know trying to you know in some sort of you know cultish break. You know, some kind of portal opener, do something disastrously evil, maybe to unleash some evil upon their community or something. I don't know. It's just I wish they would have fleshed that out a little bit more. Yeah. And just to, you know, just and not be so vague, because then when you're that vague, then it brings in the issue of, well, why is it that, at least from the villagers perspective, when you know when they put the 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 crucifix up to apparently keep the evil contained mm-hmm. beyond that door down in the in the very basement of the of the home why why is it seemingly why does it feel like well the cross is there for a reason yet when those two sort of nonchalantly just throw it off by the wayside which isn't so lightly done well it's easier because it's underwater but right. You know, and, and there's never any real thought to expand on that point at all, period. Yeah, I mean, it it seems like a missed opportunity. And, and maybe that's just that weird imbalance between we're not really completely sure what is, you know, really working behind all the scenes or... Because obviously, if it's a complete if it's a complete Lovecraftian thing going on, then well, it, it's it's kind of a weird thing that that you would have across even be able to contain that evil because yeah, they don't share the same. It's not. I mean, it's not 
they don't coexist at all in that universe. Those no. I, I guess. I mean, well, I mean, I don't know if you should say it because in Lovecraft stories, there's a few stories where there's one in particular I remember where, where maybe it was Dreams in a Witch House where the main character is wearing does wear a crucifix and it does seem to imply it has power over the evil that's trying to get to him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, you can find those instances. It's just, you know, I guess so much of Lovecraft's world consumes those thoughts that we don't think about it much. Yeah. But I mean, just the cinematography, the underwater camera work, just man, just the, mm. Oh man, how terrifying it is once they, you know, I love it, man. When they try to get out of that thing, man, they realize they can't, Oh yeah, he's always you know first to go into the panic mode, and he's got to you know constantly reel it, reel her in. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I won't go into it because it's a spoiler, but um, how their fates eventually end up is kind of funny, you know, considering the relationship between them. You know how he's always you know, calming her down and everything, but, you know, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, and I think we we kind of, we kind of got our gloomy end, though, with this one, sort of. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, uh, let's admit it, though, it needed that ending. Yeah, and I guess depending on your perspective, it it just depends on how gloomy it is. I mean, yeah, without really getting into it, it just you know it really just depends on how you approach how it comes to its absolute end. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. I mean, if we really needed the um, what was it the mid or end end credit scene? Yeah, um, oh how needed that was it, it almost seemed to lean on sort of cliche stuff that we've seen too yeah i mean it was kind of uh i don't know it only cements the notion that you know whatever that guy's been uh, well we i mean we do learn within the context of the film who that guy is i mean yeah which which i think is enough just to know who he is i think is enough you don't really need you know, I think it's sort of a cheap way of just sort of, you know, do we want another film to follow our way? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm happy with it just being a standalone film. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's the sort of thing you could fit it into. Like, like think it, think of it this way. If you were to take like, um, um, what's his name's, uh, Colorado Space, Richard Stanley's Colorado Space, and if you were to do like a sequel to that, and just have like a throwaway scene where someone's talking, there's like, yeah, you know, there, there was that incident with that house that underwater in France, you know? Yeah. Well, and, I was just... and just like that, just like a throwaway line, but it would like tie it into a, a continuity without having to make another movie. Yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking, uh, you know, as much as I even hate even thinking about this, I I wonder what it would be like under these two directors um, 
if you went prequel and dealt with the events that led to certain things that we learned happened in the film. You know what I'd do? Honestly, I would go complete Dunwich Horror. Yeah, well, and you know that would that would almost help flesh out. You could you you could do that because then that would really sort of flesh out some ideas that we we really don't know how to think exactly. We would know how to think exactly. Yeah, if if we had that kind of story, and then you have this as a you know, well, this is what happens later on as a result of what happened in the you know in the new movie. Yeah. Yeah, they could easily do a remake or do a film adaption of the Dunwich Horror, which and make it fit perfect to what they. Um, yeah, yeah, like it's like after the events of Dunwich Horror, they flooded the the entire town and just covered it all up. It could so work. It could work so well. Yeah, so, it does make. Yeah. If people, if the people who made the Deep House are listening to this uh, podcast, there you go. That's your plot. Uh, make a sequel. Make a prequel, please. Something, maybe, maybe, or just you know, just uh, relish in what you've just created, and then you know, when when you're ready, just jump off and create the next great, awesome thing. Yeah. Um, and, and if you haven't, have you seen Among the Living? Uh, I haven't seen that one. Oh man, you really need to check. That is that is a freaking that is man that gets under your skin at points, man. Nice. They know how to work suspense, man. When they're really crafting their craft, they they know how to work it, man. It's that's an interesting that's an interesting movie. Um, yeah. I've never seen Inside though. I just know of it. Oh, I've seen Inside. Um. I'll just say this, it's a, certainly a unique Christmas movie. Because yes, Inside is a Christmas movie. I didn't know that. It takes place at Christmas, which makes it even more um <laughs> more mean-spirited than you would imagine. Um wow, so I can't believe I cannot believe all three of us fell perfect in sync. I know. And I mean, a lot a lot of our ones have been, you know, just like one or two off. And it could have happened with this one. When you, can, when you think about the movies, you know, when you think about maybe more than any of the ones in the top five, when you think about, you know, where Oxygen could have fell. Yeah. I mean, it would have been easy just to say, oh, wow, I mean, that was the, the best movie. I mean, but, I mean... It, it, but the fact that it didn't, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty freaking cool that, because, I mean, we all see things, I mean, us three, I mean, we have our own unique perspective, we see things somewhat different, we are a lot different, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's pretty cool that we can all just, somewhat look, yeah, I agree, this is easily, this is the best movie for us, Yeah. the, the French duo, man, freaking bringing it, man, with this freaking freaking awesome awesome movie i cannot of all the movies of all the movies i want this on 4k so freaking bad or i'll just settle for blue i don't care i just want this on physical media form yeah definitely i want to pay five bucks again to see this movie again i want to freaking i'll spend the 24 whatever i got to spend 
it's I can't understand why this is one of those weird movies. This is one of those movies where you should not be surprised to walk into Walmart one day and see it for twelve something or fourteen something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like um, IFC Midnight or whatever, I could totally see it on there. Just come on, people, get your act together and get this movie out there. Everyone needs to see it. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's phenomenal. Well, for us, it's the best. Yeah. It is. It, the, it really it, is. Any, uh, well, you just want to take just a real quick, fast minute and just throw out titles of other movies that we saw? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do, do you want to go first? Or should I? Or? Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to really say anything about these movies because we've already, I don't know how long we've been at this, but long enough probably. But, Three uh, hours. It's actually not that bad. I mean, I think no. the, the the end part really kind of sped up. Just I yeah helped that we all sort of fell where we did. Um, movies that I definitely saw that were twenty one. Um, it just you know maybe they would have been on my list. They were on my list, but eventually fell off my list, or they just never got on my list. But um, Army of the Dead, of course, mm-hmm. we'll had that right. Um, yep. I'll tell you the surprise. Um, one of the surprises uh, for me was uh, how much I enjoyed Great White. Mm. Yeah, that's one. I haven't watched it yet. Um, Will didn't like it. Huh. I wonder why. It's, I don't know. I mean, I thought, um, I, I thought I'm not I'm not going to waste much. I'm not for this. I just thought how how the the group, the survivors end up in the predicament, I thought was as plausible as I've seen in a while, at least I think, I mean, I mean how plausible any of these scenarios are, <laughs> who knows? I mean, but I thought it was for them, it was a, it was a moral dilemma. They were trying to do the right thing. And as a result, got themselves in a, in, in that situation. But, um, and I thought it was fun. I really, I thought I'd, I had fun with the characters. I, you know, some of the things working underneath the service and, um, the, the the end obviously with any of these movies gets a little bit outlandish and how they you know are able to you know <laughs> find a resolution not sure how realistic but um it's fun uh, another one i was surprised by uh and was on my top 10 for a while was in the earth in the earth uh... yeah, it's our dad man just um it's another movie, you know, like a lot of these movies, it takes place in a pandemic. Um, ah, yes. Biologist trying to, she thinks she can find a cure, at least get access to the possibility of finding a cure by tapping into nature via type of witchcraft. Oh. Um, it's, the, it's the one with the guy that plays, uh, you've seen um, yesterday, but the guy who um, realizes waking up one day that everyone has forgotten that the Beatles existed. Yeah. 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 Uh, his buddy, who is the uh, equipment manager, he plays the main lead in this. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. It was a lot of fun to watch, man. He was a lot of fun uh, as a character. Uh, Spyro, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. we all saw that, right? Yep. The resort I saw. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Don't Breathe 2. Uh, I really got a kick out of. Caveat. Um I know Will liked it because I asked him if he saw it, and and he really liked it a lot. Cool. Um, the Devil Below, of course, I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, you know, I know, and, 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 uh, for obvious reasons, 
land on our list, but since uh, Will brought up brought uh, Godzilla into the picture, I I really got a kick out of um, not as much as I think I could have had they been darker with it, but I really I, I did enjoy um, seeing Venom. Let there be carnage. Oh yeah, that was um, and I'm very thankful. In 21, I'm very thankful that we got the Snyder Cut, but mostly I'm thankful, too, that we got it in a black and white. That was nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and then one, I'll just say the one that I absolutely could not stand, I absolutely hate it from start to finish, was, uh, and this might surprise you, man, I don't know, Prisoners of, uh, of a Ghost Land? Um, I, I, I believe it. I just couldn't. I just, I, I, well, I shouldn't be that. I just could not find any... I couldn't find any groove to get the needle in. I, I just, yeah. I was, I was fighting against it the whole time, and I just, I just got to the point where this is just. But to my regret, probably I have not seen his his one where he doesn't talk at all. I guess the Willie. Uh, yes, uh, that's on my list of ones that I've seen. Um, all right, go then. Yeah, um, obviously, well, you know, Spiral. We, you know, you just mentioned it. Uh, Willy's Wonderland um, is actually pretty good. It's kind of neat. You know, he, I think in the entire thing, I think he might say two words. The other time he, he's completely silent through the whole thing, but he's like a complete badass. You know, so it's just kind of cool, to, you know, to see, like, he's working overnight in this, in like essentially a Five Nights at Freddy's type place, and these animatronics are trying to kill him but he keeps stopping and having his, like, his break and having his, like, can of soda and everything. It, it's really funny. And then he goes back to work cleaning the place up. It's it's a, it's a blast. It really is. It's just a really fun movie. Uh, also, what else did I see? Um, the Eighth Night. I saw that on um, Netflix. That was kind of interesting. It was like a possession movie, but it was more... Um, rooted in buddhism huh so i'm sure you know probably if you know about buddhism you probably would appreciate it more than i did but i it was it was a it was an enjoyable movie and you know it was kind of a it's it's neat to see a different take on you know the exorcism genre you know or like that the uh the wailing oh i love the wailing that movie is a masterpiece and two movies. I just want to say, um, avoid these movies. They're not good. Well, one of them, it could be argued could be good, but I, I just really didn't like it. I'll start with that one. The wrong turn remake or new <laughs> wrong turn. I did see it. It, yeah, j- uh, just honestly, if you'd named it something else, it would have been fine, but you put the name wrong turn there. You make certain, uh, you make certain promises that this movie fails to deliver on. You know, as a movie itself, it's fine, but you know, I don't know it. It's not a wrong turn movie. It's it's like a backwoods community that like left like during the Civil War. Left they left America during the Civil War and they became their own little like country. It, that, that's kind of it, and like they've lived all these years like on their own, 
It's 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 it's. I found it really dumb. I really didn't like it. Let's put it this way: I have all the wrong turn movies on Blu-ray. I own that one on DVD, and I have no intention of getting a Blu-ray of it. <laughs> yeah. And the other one is one that's still in theaters, and that's Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. Really? It is horrible. Let me put it this way. The acting in the cutscenes of the original Resident Evil were better than this movie. Wow. And they, man, they they did Leon... Kennedy, they made, they did him bed dirty, so dirty. They, I have never seen them take a, a character and make him into a complete short bus retard. And like, you know, and the thing is, it sounds mean to say it that way, but they did. They made him the single dumbest character ever created, and that's not who. Leon's character is. But they made him a complete dumbass. It's like... They completely missed the mark. Everything about this movie is trash. And, um... Yeah. I'm just gonna say this. Uh, I downloaded it. I didn't see it in the theater. I didn't pay for it. I would not pay for this. It's not worth the... The, the, the memory that it's filmed on. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I've only ever reviewed one movie where more like a lower rating than this, and that was the Black Christmas remake. Which I have not seen and I refuse to see. Yeah, exactly. You know, um if anything, I I find this one more you know what, this movie You know me, I, I'm not offended by stuff, but this movie offends me. Wow. It offends me because, you know, these are our existing characters. These are characters that we have, like, known and loved for, like, over 20 years. So was it, was it like a continuation of the franchise, or was it like a... No, it was like, it was like a reboot. Oh. It, it follows more the storyline of the games. Okay. And it takes... All of Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 2 and mushes them into one two-hour movie. Oh. Uh, it's, ju- it's just what? bad. Honestly, um, it, it's it's not even one... Sometimes you see a movie that's so bad, you can say, like, you know, well, you know, if you had, like, a few drinks and you had some friends around, you could maybe, like, laugh at it and have a blast. You can't with this. It It's just... it's It's bad. It's so bad. Hashtag cancel Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. <laughs> what's your time with Prisoners of Ghostland? As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I the thing with Prisoners of Ghostland, I've I haven't seen it, but um I I think a lot of the problem with it is the name. Because us us horror fans, you know, we know of a Ghostland movie. Oh uh, yeah. That was Incident in a Ghostland, which is awesome. Yeah, and with a little bit give, of craft there. Yeah, yeah, and then you give this this movie a a very similar name, and it's not connected at all. Uh, you know, probably not the brightest idea. So, real quick, um, 
things that we're most looking forward to once we step into 22? Definitely for me, um, it's, <clears throat> I'm going to say uh, the new Texas Chainsaw. Yep, that's on my list. I mean, it, it's on with my... I'm putting it this way. My expectations are really low. I'm not expecting anything good. So if I get something decent, I will be very happy. You know, that- I... I'm trying to like limit my expectations for it, but from what I've seen on the on like the trailer and everything, it, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of intrigued. Well, it's 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 the same formula for Halloween 18. It's it's let's pretend yeah. and everything that came after the first never happened and and jump off 40 years after the fact and yeah, and see if it's a good enough story. I mean. I hope it works. I really do. I would like to see, like... Wouldn't that be funny if it ends up working way better than 2018? That that would be funny. That would be really funny, and it would be kind of cool, honestly. Because that's a series that needs a rebirth. Yeah, or at least a nice positive injection, something. Yeah. And I hate it, because I wish Leatherface could have been more than what it was. I think... I had, me personally had so much expectation knowing who those two French filmmakers were that we all agreed was the best movie of the year. Yep. It's really too bad that for whatever reason, um, they just weren't able to craft, um, a, a good, um, Texas movie that could have, um, I, I, I still think what I would have done with that, I would have, called it something else. I would have called it like Texas or something like that. And I would have had the entire movie run just as it does. And it wouldn't be until the very end, at the very end, you just get this moment where you go like, Oh my God, I've just seen the birth of Leatherface. This is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. You know, I I would, I would have it like come as like a complete shock or yeah, that or, or just, um, See, my take has always been, if I'm the producer, I'm the one welding the money, and I'm having a meeting, and I'm, you know, first of all, I'm getting their take, you know, what would they do? Yeah. And then I would say, what do you think about this? What do you think if you just spend a few days and really inhaling more than the first, the original, inhaling the sequel, Yeah. and then asking yourself... What do you do with these characters in the fifties? Yeah, because yeah. I think that's the biggest downfall of Leatherface is they spend too much time with characters that mean nothing, which should have been a whole family means everything. Yeah, in terms of the story, right? In terms of the story, mm-hmm. and you know, and trying to play trickery with who is not, who is leather. It was just idiotic and stupid. It was just, yeah. I mean, I mean, you had a guy that literally looked yeah. like Leatherface, and he's not Leatherface. No, and that, that was just idiotic. I don't know. As far as a creative decision or choice, that's maybe they were the last people who should have helmed this. But you know, when you, when you look at some of the, 
uh, when you look at some of the um, uh, deleted scenes, mm-hmm. you know, it just makes you wonder because I mean, the scenes that were cut out of the theatrical of uh, that they contain extra footage of Grandpa, where you know, you know, it's too bad. Maybe the the whole movie wasn't really more around Grandpa. Mm-hmm. It's not really about Leatherface, but life. But like, who's Grandpa? And you know, and how is it that it just you know? I think maybe it would have been a it could have been a scarier movie because you could have we could have really gone back in time and dealt with a character who eventually would help bring into being a really freaking scary family. Oh yeah, that would be cool. The grand the grandfather's there. And like you've got like you know family members around him or whatever, and like there's like a kid, and he just hands him a chainsaw and just says, "Remember, the saw is family." <laughs> the block, freaking genius, man. Right. See, why yeah, can't the creative influences of these things? Well, that's it. You know, listen to us. We know these things. You know, we're fans. Anything else you're looking forward to? Uh, I'm trying to just think of what's coming up. That well, obviously, uh, Dune Chapter Two when that comes out. Um, but that's not going to be till uh, 2023, I think. Um, I'm kind of interested in the the remake of American Werewolf. What? Yeah, they're remaking American Werewolf, and the guy no. that's yeah, the guy that's directing it is um, he's like the son of John Landis or something. What? Yeah, I, I seem to are. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's happening. How have I, how have I oh. not seen this in a bloody disgusting feed? I don't know, let me just, uh, American Werewolf remake. Yeah, um, here it is. Uh, oh, hold on, maybe, maybe. Well, I mean, I I know there's there's been talk about yeah Max Landis uh, directing uh, a remake of American Werewolf, and you know, I would I would be interested in seeing it, but I again, it's one of those things where my you know, hold on here, huh? well, I guess you need to be in there. Um, sequel, remake, uh, ah, here we, here we go. Um, uh, oh, apparently, uh, according to, in November 2019 was the last update about it, but, uh, no. Robert Kirkman was, uh, gonna serve as producer. You know, if it, if it happens, I'll see it. My 
hopes won't be high because honestly, American Werewolf is like a masterpiece. It doesn't need touching, but if it happens, it happens, you know, um, It'll be interesting to see. Uh, one thing I am kind of in, interested in seeing, though, is the remake of uh, The Exorcist. I, I, again, I don't think it'll be good. But if they go in like a different direction with it, it could be kind of cool. Interesting. Let me let me astound you. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a few things. Um, I don't know if two of which probably will never come to fruition, even though one of them is has an official um, IMDb page, which you may not know about. I'm not sure, but I think we've talked about it before. We're really, really, really stoked for uh, um, getting the sadness on physical media. Oh, yeah. I think to see that uh, Canadian-born uh, uh, guy move to Taiwan and film that in, in St. Rumorg did a, a fantastic cover uh, article on that in uh, a couple issues ago. Um, mm-hmm. That that could be the the fresh spin on the whole zombie thing that maybe we need. Yeah, I hope um, so. Uh, just recently, Del Toro uh, talked about uh, his. Uh, apparently, he's been in some early um, talks with uh, I think people at Netflix about bringing at the Mountains of Madness to life in a multi-part series i'm so down for that especially you know it being being netflix i i'm 100 percent down with that um the fact that you, they could do multiple parts to it you know like yeah it may not have the budget to have uh you know tom cruise in it or whatever but but he he you know? says he would actually look he's actually looking more forward to the potential of this idea than the theatrical presentation because he, he would have more creative freedom and he said, you know, yeah, it's not, he's not going to be able to have the star power that he would have with the theatrical, but the flip side is the story will be the compelling. Oh yeah. And I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the amount of people that were interested in being part of, the movie, some of them might, you know, they might come over. Well, they might be like, you know what? Like, this is something I really want to be a part of. You know, that you is can, a, you can still have me. <laughs> yeah. That is a project that I definitely, I definitely, I hope, even if I know we won't have it by the end of 20. Too, but I mean, it would be nice to know that we're well on our way to seeing it realized. Yeah. Um, the uh, let's see. Of course, I also I jotted down as well the Texas. Um, um, I think it's premiering on Netflix. The Texas yep. movie. Yeah. Um, January. Look forward to checking it out. Um, uh, we haven't talked about this in a while. Uh, as as a lead up to the IMDb um, page. Um, I don't know. I've been looking and I haven't seen anything. Um, but remember when there was that announcement somewhere that Baba was producing um, an actual Demons 3 and Greta was going yep. to be writing the script and directing? Yeah. Um, I don't know. What's ever happened to that? I haven't heard anything in, in quite a while. I hope 
honestly, it's still happening. I mean, there's, and it doesn't mean anything, but it, there's no official IMDb page yet for it. Um, but there is an IMDb page for, and it's probably never going to happen, but Ruggiero Diodato's um, The House at the Edge of the Park 2. A part, a part two of the House of the Edge of the Park. Yep. Uh, how? Sink, sink your choppers into that. And I don't know if this is for sure or not, but I have heard, and maybe on a podcast interview, maybe with Hysteria Continues, I, I can't remember, somewhere, I heard um, Giovanni um, say that he, uh, that he would be interested in... Um, being part of that vision. That would be cool. I mean, I like Giovanni Radici. I mean, he's... Dude, I, his character is one of the best. I like him. I just, I just do. I mean, uh, you've, heard, you, you've heard him talk about, um, I think it was Cannibal Ferox. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, where, where he was like, uh, you know, I avenge the turtle. <laughs> yeah, he's like, like I, I wouldn't kill the turtle, but I avenged him by like I stabbed this guy in the leg when you're in one scene or something. It's like, man. <laughs> oh, and 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 with that, so I mean, I don't know if that'll ever actually happen or not. I mean, just because it's there's an IMDb page, I mean, doesn't mean anything. But um, you know, as proof to, can we just take the IMDb page for? the remake to Nightmare City down, for heaven's sake, because it's obvious that's never happening. Yeah. I mean, Tom Savani, you know, was, you know, slated to direct, um, and I think um, um, the original director um, was slated to produce. That that would be so cool. That that whole project, I mean, I, it just fell through, but there's still an IMDb page for it, and it's ridiculous. It's just take it down. Yeah. I mean, the thought of it is great. The thought of it is fun. And to think of Tom Savani, because, uh, I mean, I, I loved what he did with um, the Night of the Living Dead um, remake. Oh, oh yeah. That, that's one that, of the, the single best remakes ever made. I honestly believe that. Um, yeah, I think IMDb is notorious for getting pages up and then never taking them down and but who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe there's... Uh, well, how old is Ruggiero now? Is he like 80? I think so. Something like that. I, I really enjoyed uh, his segment on Death Sumber. Of anyone out there has never seen. Um, Glenn was real kind to um, send me a Blu-ray copy of this film, Death Sumber. It's an anthology, 24 short films, plus two, right, in the end credit scene or in credit yep. scene. Yeah, um, but one of them is a Ruggiero Diodato entry, and it is, and these these entries are only a couple minutes each. But the the Diodato one is 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 really cool. It's just nice. It's cool to see somebody you know like him, you know, just come out of retirement for you know however long it took to actually do this and yeah. do it. And you know, it's I would love how awesome would it be to see um, an anthology. A, 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 an anthology film that was able to get the likes of Michele Sauve away from Italian TV for five minutes and direct a segment. That would be cool. You know, or any of these guys that, you know, are still maybe doing TV from time to time, 
you know, yeah. if they're not too old, you know, <laughs> the old Italian heyday. Yep. Uh, be nice, man. It would be nice uh, to, to see some of these guys, you know. Yeah, I mean, maybe it could light a fire under them to maybe get back to making movies. Or yeah, at least at least reminding us that uh, in twenty twenty one, twenty two, whatever, they're not dead yet. I mean, yeah, that's always a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I thank you so much for sending that because I just I got I got such a kick. I just you know, oh I yeah, thought about Diodato since probably you know back in his heyday. Yep, and uh, it's nice to see that he was willing to uh, to do that uh, for them. So. Yep. Well, and of close. course, the, the ninth the ninth story is just <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. Feel free to avoid the ninth entry, um, or do so at your own peril. Um, <laughs> now we can treat people, and <laughs> now they will watch it. Yeah, probably. Very <laughs> intrigued. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like that was just such a. Yeah. I don't know why I fell into the trap, man. Well, I will. I told you, didn't I? It's it's pretty. It was a messed up one. And you know, it's funny. I have a friend who normally has better restraint than I do with with some films, and he fell into the uh, the centipede trap. Ah! (laughs) I still refuse to watch it. I I just I I don't. Nah, that's one (laughs) I won't mind going to my grave having never seen. Or I can think of a few I won't mind going to my grave not having seen mm-hmm. i will i will say this uh when it comes to human centipede part two is actually a really good movie now isn't there a black and white cut of that too yeah um the the main cut of uh part two is in black and white with uh there's a slight color they they use some brown I'll, I'll I'll let you let you leave that to your imagination, but you know, um, it's it part two I find is a genuinely good disturbing movie. Part one is just kind of funny. Honestly, I mean, even though it's a hundred percent medically accurate, um, just to see a guy. In dressing doctor's outfit, wearing like riding boots with a crop, screaming at three people that are you know sewed together. Feed her! I, I just I just find that <laughs> you know I just I just love it. He's like feed her. It's like this over dramatic way of saying it. It's just, it's a it's a blast. Um, so it, part two is good though, but. At this point, Will is probably going as he's listening. Okay, can we please be done now? Um, yeah, probably. One last, one last question, um, not not to set you up for anything or or create any expectations, but if if you had in twenty twenty two, if you had your your pick of that one podcast you so badly would want to do, what would it be? Hmm. Uh, you know what? I I got a good one. Uh, it would be a bit of a rough watch, but 
Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Ferox, Green Inferno. That could be actually some really interesting conversation. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, you always get the com- comparisons, you know, between, like, Holocaust and Green Inferno, but it's not a fair comparison. No, you're talking Green about Inferno yes, us. is essentially a remake of Ferox. Yeah. No, you're talking about Eli Ross. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... There is there is a real... And I, I hate even saying this, but there is a real... Um, separation between Ruggiero Diodato and Eli Roth. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is. And, it's, and it stinks because they were both motivated by not so different things, but one was able to 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 um, to get his angst out on film in a way that others we've already talked about did, you know, in the past, mm-hmm. Wes Craven, Toby Hooper, you know, some of these guys, George Romero, um, were able to get that, that, that one singular thing that really, really pissed them off more than anything. They were able to, they were, he was able to do it. And, and, and as, and as mad or upset or as Eli might've been over what was motivating him, he just did not, he missed, he missed it, man. He just missed it with that movie. He, yeah. I don't know what he was afraid of, and it, 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 it kills me. Wasn't that movie sidelined for like two years, too? Yeah. Because it didn't have a distributor or something, or they didn't know how they were going to market it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I do kind of get it. It's like, how do you how do you market a cannibal film without... Yeah, well, you know? especially when you, well, when you, especially when you live in a, in a day and age when drive-ins aren't what they used to be in the old days. I mean... Yeah. You know, because that's I mean, the type... I honestly kind of believe that uh, Eli Roth is a better, how can I put this? Like, I think he's a better behind the scenes guy than he is like behind the camera. You know, he, he's really good. He's very knowledgeable about horror and everything. I think he'd make an awesome producer, but I don't think really his directing is that great. Yeah, he's he's definitely a fan of the genre. And yeah. He's proven that through and through. I love he's I got him on a couple on a couple short short interviews on a couple of my um 88 releases. Um Nice. Crap, what's he on? He's on um I want to say he's on um uh oh, Nightmare City Arrow on the Arrow release mm-hmm. of Nightmare City. He's on there, and I want to say he might be on Alien Two on Earth. Oh, nice. Uh, I think I want to say he's he, there's a short interview with him on there. I, I don't think so for contamination, but those because he's a huge fan of those movies. Oh yeah. And uh, and see now that's where man I would pay an arm and a leg to hear Eli Roth just comment as a commentator on a movie like Nightmare City. Dude, I just thought of it. Get Eli Roth and Rob Zombie together to do a commentary. Dude, that would be a freaking blast. It would. I mean, they'd just be going back and forth talking about other movies. <laughs> you know what? I would love. I I I would die to hear them 
comment on a movie like uh, James Whale's The Old Dark House. Oh, that'd be cool. Go, that, go. that would be really cool. Y- you know what? If if you were doing that old dark house, throw Quentin Tarantino in the mix as well. Because <laughs> you know he'd be down for that. He'd be like, oh. <laughs> um, speak, speaking of it, I think I, I think I don't know. I, I think and I, I think I don't know if it's the perfect one, but I think a really fun podcast mm-hmm. would be would be um the old dark house mm-hmm. matched with spider baby okay matched with texas chainsaw oh matched with house of a thousand corpses wow i yeah. think you, you could easily draw a line from the 32 film right up to Rob Zombie's film. Yeah, I think you probably could. And, you know, and, and it, it would, you know, that that's the kind of podcast would probably take a lot of work. But but one thing from Spider-Baby, you know, was it Ken Hill, um, the director there? He's he's said on the extras on Spider-Baby that, you know, he's still gunning for, for a sequel to that movie. <laughs> I don't know how much freaking fun that would be, man. Yeah. <laughs> now, could you imagine a director like that getting a chance to revisit material as old as well actually technically it was 64 but it was released in 68 yeah could you imagine and it be as nutty as it was back then that would be awesome that would genuinely be awesome <laughs> so well yep. a little bit of the past the present and who knows yep <laughs> We got some good things to look forward to, though, as far as things coming down the pike, maybe. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right, okay, so I, yeah, I guess we should uh, finish up now. Uh, so there you go. Um, that was uh, 2021 in review. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you've. Uh, I hope you've learned the awesomeness that is the deep house. Yes. Because, I mean, honestly, I think this is probably the first time everyone has agreed kind of on what the number one movie is. And that's kind of awesome. It is pretty awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, make sure you keep checking back. We'll be uh, getting some more episodes out. Uh, not sure what's going to be next yet, but we'll we'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> so, yeah. Peace out. Alright. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again. <laughs>